Hi, welcome back to Casters of Valhalla. Um, before we jump into this week's episode, just real quick, uh, ScapeCon, we still have a few spots left. We have about eight, I think eight or nine spots uh, for ScapeCon Indianapolis. And the reason I have to differentiate that is now we are running a smaller, um, cheaper kind of spinoff con as well, ScapeCon East, that's in New Jersey. We're running it from November 10th to 13th, uh, year 2023, obviously. So that's a Friday to Monday. Friday is the government holiday. So you may have off from work already. Hotel rooms are $116 a night uh, after tax, 104 before tax. So very reasonable rooms. Um, the, your badge cost is $40 uh, for the whole weekend, four days, or $20 if you just want to come one day. Um, your so the hotel has free breakfast provided, and we're going to be playing right in the in the hotel. Uh, they've got a nice smaller ballroom that we're going to be using, meeting room really. So we we've, we're going to have um, about 30 people we can fit in there. And again, so your your breakfast is provided by the hotel. You're on your own for your lunch and dinner though, so your your badge does not co- uh, does not cover that, unlike ScapeCon Indianapolis. So. Overall, though, still going to be a fun four-day experience. So just in case you hadn't seen that announcement, wanted to throw that out there because, we, again, we do have – for both of them, we have about seven to eight spots left. So, um, But this week we have a great episode. We're going to be diving fully into Reverse the Whip, which is my favorite formats, I, I think many of our favorite formats. Uh, or it's one of my couple. I've, I've been really enjoying the, uh, the the draft pools, preset draft pools. I love that too. So, But Reverse Whip is, we'll get into why it's so great. Um, joining me tonight is Ken. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. It's always morning somewhere. Um, also, we got Nathan. In fact, it's a lot. Good morning, Mike. Glad Good morning. To be here. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. And lastly, William, Major Q23. Good morning, Michael. How are you doing? It's bright and early, but I'm doing fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, reverse the whip. Um, it's one of our favorite formats. Uh, we're going to start by jumping into the history. Uh, we're going to we won't have a long history lesson here, but just why it started. Uh, we'll jump into some of we'll discuss some of the notable shifts in the format, notable points of of when stuff happened and kind of also uh, to a limited extent what that might have done to the format. Um, we'll get into archetypes and I will link in the description veggies archetype thread for the reverse whip armies because it's it's fantastic. Um, we're using mostly the same archetypes here. So we'll, we'll discuss what you can expect to see in a reverse the whip event. Um, specifically, of course, we're talking Gen Con, Skate Con metas. Um, you know, your own local meta may completely differ on so many levels from power level to armies that are played. You know, it just depends on, on the group. And we'll get into that here as well. And then finally, we're going to get into the really the best part, which is, you know, the preparation, right? How do you um, go about preparing for a reverse whip event? Maybe you've never been to ScapeCon or GenCon before and you're planning to come to ScapeCon for the first time this year. And what do you do to prepare for the reverse whip event if that's what you are going to play in? So um, first, Ken is the only one of us that was there both pre and post reverse the whip. Um, so we're going to have our rep, our resident HeroScape Boomer uh, talk to us about the beginnings of Reverse the Whip. Did you say celebrity or Boomer? I think I said celebrity. Oh, okay, just check it. Uh, yeah, so... One of the two, one of the two. Right, or both, right? 
Um, the reverse whip started in uh, 2011. So I, I started going to Gen Con in 2009 and 2010. And back then it was the reinforcement role. And the way that worked was um, if you made day two, Mark would roll a, a HeroScape dice. If you rolled a skull, you would get X number of points. If you rolled a symbol, you would get X number of points. And if you rolled a shield, you get X number of points to add to your army the next day. And then as the four of us were kind of looking back about what we can recall, well, what I can recall, those guys were like four um, back then, but what I could recall about what, why he changed, why he switched in 2011 was Mark's last year running Reikian, Mark running Gen Con, why he switched from the reinforcement role to um, reverse the whip was the finals game in 2010 was Man Train Choo Choo in uh, Doc, both playing four rats, Raylan in Q9, and there was a little bit of difference um, what they added after that, but it, w- it was just probably one of the most boring finals game that's ever happened in the history of Gen Con, and I think people were just kind of starting to complain about rats a little bit to Mark and talk about a ban list and some other things. And part of it was the reinforcement role would just ex- like rats would always already extend games. Then with the reinforcement role, you're already adding a certain number of points already to an army that's um, full of rats. So the the games just started to get extremely long. I don't even recall how long that that finals game was. That would that'd be a good question uh, for Adam if he if he recalls, which I'm sure he does since he won. Um, how long that was just to chime in and let us know. But it was extremely long. So I think that's why Mark made the shift in 2011 to the reverse the whip concept. Um, and at the time, like it, Mark 100 percent piloted this. This was all his brainchild. We tried to find if he had uh, piloted in Texas beforehand. And, and from what we can look, we didn't we didn't see anything. So we think Gen Con was kind of the um, the first time he ever did that. And it, to me. It was genius. Um, it really, it really forced the meta in a different direction than I think it ever could have, like, could have ever gone, had we ever tried to continue with something similar that we were doing ahead of time, or not ahead of time, before beforehand, what we were doing the previous years. Um, j- just the way it's evolved over the years, and I'll let the guys talk about th- that. But like, just that initial shift to hey you got to win with this army on day one but on day two you have to beat your army this many times just really changes like oh man q9 and rats i don't really want to beat that three times or four times on day two so it it really changed that dynamic of everybody bringing q9 and rats or fourth mass and back in the day that's what we saw, Q9 and rats in fourth mass. And there'd be some outliers, like I think one year Fish Taco brought Q9 in dividers, which was kind of cool. Um, you know, always I typically brought knights or heavies. Um, so like, so there was some outliers, and I think like Eternal Thanos would bring like Zelrig and Raylan and Green Scales, and you'd see you'd see some Nilfheims, Nilfheims here and there too. But like for the most part, it was you know any or, or Trons. But for the most part, you would see Q9 and rats or fourth mass. And that was just to be honest with you guys, that was getting kind of tiring to see that all the time. Um, so th- so for Mark to do this, like it was it was pure genius. Um, it really was. And it's crazy. That's 2011. Uh, we're 2023. 
and we're still we're still stretching it, man. We're still learning reverse the whip. I think like we're still trying to sort out like what's the best way to do this. Um, you know, there's all these nuances that we've worked in in the past 12 years um, between SkateCon and GenCon, and um, yeah. So I, I think like Mark deserves the full credit for this, and I don't know if he bounced the idea off uh, Dignan, Jason beforehand, or you no. Know, like he had a couple guys like Bro and Law and Dr. Livingston and Rim that he would kind of game with back then, and I don't know if they all helped him do this or if this was just a straight up Mark idea. Yeah, so you hinted at changes over the years. So we're just going to discuss, um, you know, I'm just going to mention a couple. None of them are, you know, most of them aren't game breaking. And and if you, we'll be discussing um, archetypes in a bit as well as preparation and such. But the 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 power level as a whole has decreased over the years, you know, perhaps not to anyone's surprise. But so in 2011, you look at the armies and you still see a ton of seven stingers and Raylan or spammed fourth mass or whatever. Doc won with easily yeah. one of the two weakest armies in the pool, which was um, like four grubs, Torcolna, Raylan, and Krav. Like that's still quite a quite a good army. Yeah, I remember in my first year, 2013, um, it was uh, Elite Glad's Blast in the finals of main event versus Cornpuff, uh, who snuck into day two with like what was then a very weak build. I believe it was, let's see, um, it was two dwarfs, uh, Magram, Raylan, and um, Airborne, yep. um, which was like, I remember 2013, we saw that in day two, and Cornpuff had that in there, and we're like, that's quite impressive for, to be able to sneak in there uh, at that power level. Um, so it's really cool to see the kind of like where the early years of what, reverse of the whip power level started. What's up? What what year did Spider play Doc? Do you remember in the finals? Um, that was, 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 was that that was was that 2011? Yeah, that I think was, 11. Yeah, oh, yeah, I think that's, turn, that's tournament of champions. We we drew a spy, We that's how we got Spider back into it. That's right. That's right. That's right. Oh, and I, that's fun. I think that Corn Puff game, I think that was 2012, right? Our first year is 2012. Right. 2012. 2012? Yeah. Oh, you're yep. right. You're right. That was 2012. 2012. My bad. I wasn't able to play in that main event because my mom made me not miss that Friday of school. Ugh. <laughs> Man, so I showed up late <laughs> for that uh, Gen Con. Dang. Okay. Keep going. Keep going. I mean, just looking at the first couple of years, just the power level and how it's changed. I mean, my first year, that was 20, both, you know, myself, William, Mike's, and then Veggie, who wrote the Reverse Whip Army Archetypes, like, all our first year was 2012, which is kind of funny how that worked out. But I made it today, too, with Hydra, Four Knights, Mar Warriors, which is a very strong army. And, I mean, I four think Phantom I'm... Knights. That's what I say. Yeah, Four Phantom Knights, you got it. So, I think I'm definitely in the bottom, like, three or four army types. And, I mean, you couldn't bring that nowadays. So, it's definitely, like, a living meta that's been changing and kind of been figuring it out over the years slowly and slowly and and nathan on that on that note why why do you think it's why do you think it's for lack of a better term weakened over the years um yeah i think there's a couple reasons there's some minor things just with the shifts in the format but i just think the major things is if you're you know a stronger player and you think okay i can day one you're probably probably are going to be you know with everybody and day two it's usually 
the people who can, you know, have the best records, so the little bit stronger players. So if you're a little bit stronger player, you think I'm going to go a little bit weaker so I can have a better time in day two. And then I think I can, if I'm playing somebody who's like newer at the game, I think I can beat them with a little smaller army. And I think that kind of just can compound over the years and over the years. And then people are looking at like, how can we, can I go in so I can show up to day two and I'm playing you or I'm playing Adam or I'm playing, you know, any of the, you know, just phenomenal players. And I, I don't want to be, a, I don't want to, I don't want to play you Ken when you, you, I have a stronger army than you. I don't, I want to play you when I have a weaker army. So I'm going to keep, it kind of keeps going down, down, down. But then things have been flipped on its head with some of the rules to kind of change that up. And especially with this year where you have to, it's three times you're playing with your army compared to two. So I think that's going to definitely change up this year. And things like alternating reverse the width also kind of changes the meta, how you can think about it a little bit like that. And then there's also people who kind of want to get to day two and can try to go a little bit stronger and just trust that they know how to play their army well and they don't really care that they might be a slightly too strong we've kind of seen the whole gambit over the years so that's very mm-hmm. cool yeah and not to like jump ahead too far but i mean when it, we did start to go into alternating reverse the uh reverse um like with and against your army i mean i remember in like i want to say like 2014 15 16 there just being years where there were a good handful of decent players who really took the approach of just wanting to make it into day two um, and not uh, and be able to, you know, bring a pretty strong army, be able to win their games on in day one. Um, and, you know, that created an interesting ripple, I feel like, in those years um, when we were still doing playing all with your army on day one, like the sliver of players that would choose just to like where their personal goal would just be to make it into day two for whatever reason. And getting wrecked in, you know, top 16 wasn't a big deal or wasn't interesting or wasn't like, you know, didn't discourage them from just trying to make it to day two. Um, and like the, you know, thinking about reversal whip and bringing it to his furthest logical conclusion, that's like um, definitely like a point in um, like our learning curve as a community, um, which was quite interesting. Um, but the years there, like 2011, 2013, 2015, like as we like reverse the whips really getting off the ground where like, I feel like some of the most beautiful reverse the whip years, um, when army still had a lot of like congruency. And if you go back and look at the threads, they're like not typical armies, but they're, they're starting to have some interesting wrinkles into them, not just be like the top tier elite builds, but, um, um, they're still like, they have a lot of congruency and like togetherness still is uh, units and natural synergies yeah before before we go on any further for anyone that's listening and isn't quite sure what's going on so reverse the whip like the way we do it now is something called alternating and that's where it's not so back in the day right when it started in 2011 and this was true through 2016 right 2017 was was the year of change for this but for those first five or six years you would play your own army all of day one so you'd and you'd have to generally go four and one to guarantee yourself a spot. It was a five round, uh, five rounds into into top sixteen. You generally had to go four and one to guarantee your spot in day two. If you were three and three in those early years, you could maybe sneak in. Or sorry, three and two, you could maybe sneak in, but it was tough. Um, and then by the 2016 point, though, there were less people playing, and it became easier to sneak in as a three as a three and two. And that that r- remains true until the. Um, 2019 change which we'll talk about but anyways we changed from that to and i believe this was gordon's idea derosha's idea was a change from 
playing your own army all of day one and then always playing your opponent's army on day two in, into what we call alternating, which is the current implementation still has been since 2017. That's where, you know, round one, you play your own army. And then round two, you have to play your opponents. Round three, you're back to playing your own army, et cetera. And it kind of flips back and forth over the rounds. Um, so in 2017, again, we, we switched to that. And that was still five rounds, though, on, on day one. So um, in 2017, you could, you know, you could about half the three and twos would squeak in as well. So uh, you could either win three games with your own army and then still lose with it twice. And you could still make it in just on the draw. Right. Sorry, not lose with it twice, lose two games in the reverse round if you were too strong. And so that's why in 2019 um, we switched to a six round day one uh which I believe I proposed, but I might've been somebody else. Um, and that basically made it so that you had to go four and two to make the cut, which was a cleaner cutoff and prevented you from bringing too strong of an army. And some of it for people for a long time was just pride. They just, they, if you hadn't been in day two before you wanted to be able to say like, Oh, I made day two this year. And then also something we noted is that we, you know, Gen Con used to prize the top 16, like the full top 16. I remember I made top 16 in 2012 and 2014 out of those early years. In both years, I got ska hens, right? And my dad got a ska hen for 2012. So like, I, you know, over my years at Gen Con, I won like five ska hens, you know, uh, my dad and I combined, you know, between different events, but also just three of them came from just top 16ing. And that was just like my first year, 2012, I played three green skills, Nilfheim and Raylan, right? Which is just like, disgustingly strong but like it wasn't even that strong compared to everybody else's armies back then either so um stopping prizing top 16 really made sense for those you know those <laughs> those years yeah and i think you touched on it with the twelve, thirteen people who went four and one and better and got guaranteed today too and then you'd have everybody gathered around and there'd be like a roll off and you'd have all the three and twos and a couple of them would get in and they'd be all happy and the rest would be sorry so i was like william you got it i mean i was i yeah, was I beat mike, on the, I beat mike on the d20 d off i forget what year that was but I, I won one of those like best like five person d20 off three and two to see makes it into day two and that was awesome for me <laughs> I think that was 2013. They, they, they were brutal, but this is this is much cleaner and the the six rounds. Hey, hey, it's a it, skill it, gap. I'm, it's a skill thing. Like I was <laughs> like, right. Just, gotta have. And, and part of the reason we were doing that, because uh, instead of using like strength and ske- strength of schedule to, uh, just to be clear, part of the reason we were doing the roll off at the end for three and two was with strength of schedule. Um, when people would drop, it just kind of ruined, like it, it like it kind of defeated the purpose of strength of schedule when people would drop. So that's why we kind of went to the, well, we'll let the three and twos dice off for the last two or three places. Granted, it wasn't the greatest, uh, you know, way to do it, but like we thought it was, wasn't even any less or more fair than the strength of schedule with everybody dropping. Plus it also like Back in the day, we didn't have Chris's software, and so we had a software from Jeter, uh, Lone Wolf, but it kept crashing, and it was just like, let's, you know, the, it allowed us just to use note cards and keep the four and ones, and you know, four and twos, and the, and the or the four and ones, sorry, there were, there's only five rounds that, back then, the four and ones, and the three and twos, and the five and ohs, um, so we didn't have to necessarily keep track of, like, you know, strength of schedule and, and points and all that, so that's, that is one of the reasons we did it back then, for better or for worse. Yeah, I totally, I mean... 
the one thing about the trade with ScapeCon, we're just we can roll with different time frames. With Gen Con, we're very constricted, and then you know there's what 50,000 people, so Wi-Fi is bad, people dropping. So my whole thing, even when I lost with the three and twos, it's like I would have loved to get the dice off, but at the end of the day, like you can focus on the losing like the dice off, or you can focus on the you you lost two games. If I would have you know taken care of business on those other two games, you don't have to worry about the dice off. So. Yeah, it is what it is back then, and then now. I think it's just an improvement now that we have more flexibility with ScapeCon. Yeah, and the the shift was really easy to make. To I mean, I stole this from other game systems. No surprise, you know, other tournaments I've played in for other games where they also do the clean X and two or X and one cut, right? And it means that if you so like, I've been the player to you know, I went five and zero oh in 2014. I was one of two four, five and zeros oh in 2014 um, with playing Blades and. Like if I had gotten a buy, I would have been ecstatic, you know. And so like, it's not bad to give the five and zero or a, even a four and one um, a buy. So I know Nathan got a buy in twenty twenty one, where you went five and one, right? So you got one of the buys. Uh, so it's just it's just a cleaner system. You don't deal with any of the tiebreakers. Like twenty seventeen to twenty eighteen was where it was getting really silly, where it's literally half of the three and twos were getting like randomly selected and half weren't. Uh, you know, I don't know if you guys remember those years, but like even 2017, like I made it, then I dropped to play a different game. And then like, William, you randomly got selected that year to like fill my one spot. Like I had been like in the initial lucky yeah. half. Right. And then you get like that other one. Like it was just weird, you know, um, not that that's yeah, not that it was like anything wrong on the part of the organizers, but that's just how it started. Um, real quick, I, we touched on most of this already. Uh, the, the last thing to note, um, because this has been asked in other contexts as well, but something to note in 2013 was the shift from the 24 figure limit, or sorry, the 24 hex limit being the standard to now more of that 16 to 18 figure limit, which you see a lot more. And basically there's two reasons, right? The first is the drop from 24 to 16 or 18, or sometimes 20 is shorter games, right? Less games are going to time because you have less figures. And the second is just why switch from hexes to figures. It's just to make some of those double spacers a little more viable. Hounds love it. Hounds got a massive boost from that. You know, Raichian in 2014 ended up making or winning, I think, uh, winning main event with four hounds and Arkmer. Um, so it's just, it's just cool to see the other, um, you know, units be a little more viable, you know, even reverse the whip, right? If you're, if you wanted to run, I don't know, three squads of death stalkers, like if it's 18 hex limit, that's literally, that's literally your entire start zone. Whereas if that's a figure limit, you still have six figures left, right? So it's just a very different uh, thing. So um, in case you've ever, ever been wondering, that's that. Um, that's a, pretty much all the notable shifts um, are, are listed we've we've already covered um again 2019 was the switch to six rounds on day one 2021 we did a clean four and two cut in the 2023 i mean this is this year this is coming up we have no idea you know we don't know what's going to happen fully um it's five rounds it's a clean four and one cut and day two alternating has been flipped as well so in top 16 and top four you play with your army as opposed to last year where you'd play against and vice versa for top eight and final so in the finals it's kind of like the good old days of you know the first six years where you have to be able to beat your army in the finals right there's that mental that extra mental step of having to beat your own army in the final so it's just look we're just mixing it up um 
we obviously the whole structure of the weekend changed this year with the with the world championship slash tournament champions so we'll see how it goes um but yeah i mean the power level may step up this year because we're doing five rounds we're doing three games with two games against on that day one you have to go four and one so you can either win three games with your army and then make sure to beat it once or you can um you know beat beat it twice and also win two games with it you know which is super reasonable and uh to 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 go either route. So um, unless there's any other comments on overall kind of big picture stuff, we'll, we'll jump into the archetypes and we'll talk about um, kind of reverse whip armies and, and dive into what you might be seeing. Because I think if you are going to reverse the whip event, the first thing you want to understand, you know, you don't have to understand the whole history of how it shifted from 2011, right? I think it's helpful. Maybe it's at least interesting to those of us that were part of it. Um, but understanding kind of, and be able to look back at, especially the last, let's say three or four years worth of results and understand like why those armies are created the way they are and like kind of be how do you categorize them right and and thinking through that stuff i think is really helpful if you're going to you know again if you're going to a a reverse flip event and i know we're doing escape con i know some local events are doing it i know maryland's got one coming up um so again any other thoughts on overarching big picture okay so archetypes i mean you can Broadly put these on a spectrum from more traditional style armies um, to armies with very intensive order marker management. Uh, there's other spectrums you could put it on other you know ranges that you could put them on. But basically, um, I've kind of grouped all the archetypes by sort of how much they feel more or less like a standard game of HeroScape, right? Not these aren't your top tier games. You're still not going to be able to play, you know, Q9 Rats Raylan. Um, in one of these events, but again, you can broadly group these by by overarching type. So, um, one quick note before we get in is that the number of order markers or the number of army cards in an army isn't really a great indicator. You want to look at number of order marker placements because if you have, you know, let's say you have heavy gruts, grimnak, nirak, tornak that's still a one order marker placement army, even though you have one army card. Um, whereas you could have a two army card army where both of them, like let's say Omnicrons, right? You have to be able to mix order markers between the snipers and repulsors. That's going to be a lot more order marker intensive than, you know, again, the, the heavies, Grimnak, Nirak, Tornak, for example. So um, the first overarching group are the, are the archetypes that are pretty traditional. These are fairly close to what you would see in a normal game of HeroScape, maybe in something like a Delta or a, you know, a B plus and under, A minus and under, something like that, some other format. So um, real quick, so the four are short but good, mediocre but whole, ping, and fast and fragile. And um, big shout outs again to Veggie for putting together the thread, naming all these archetypes, just really helpful. Um, Let's start with, Let's start with short but good. Um, Ken has been one of, you know, not that many people have played this archetype. I think Ken's army is actually one of the best examples of this still to come out. And uh, Ken actually won the main event in 2018 with this army. So I'll have him talk about it in a second. But basically the, the whole concept of short but good is that you're going to bring a traditionally pretty strong army, something in, you know, again, maybe not that Q9 Rats Raylan, but something in that A minus, maybe pushing A range. 
um, but you're going to sit some points. So Ken ran four squads of dwarves, Derek, and Hadamato Taro, right? So Ken, if you want to talk about that real quick. Uh, yeah, and as a precursor, there was one year, uh, what year was it, 600 points? Did you guys say 2014? 2016. 2016. That year I ran four dwarves uh, Mogren, so that was a 600 point, so I actually played 200 points light, and uh, I went three and two and I missed the dice off. So this was kind of uh, the sequel to that, if that makes sense. Um, so I and I th- so Chandler Chandler said that I promised him I would run Hadamato in a, a main event army at some point. So um, so that's that that's kind of how this brainchild came. Um, what I did like about it was I think wasn't there a Odinashi or something or Marku no Marku. Yeah, there's. Yeah. Yeah, because I think the other thing I liked about this army was it forced somebody to sit something, and it was interesting to watch some people sit uh, Mark like uh, a dwarf instead of Hadamato, and like like the whole goal was you had his like Hadamato is trash, he's complete trash. The only time I played him, I played him was against I think uh, Matthew, and because Matthew had a bunch of cutters and I thought that game might go to time, so I played Hadamato so I'd make sure that I had the points on the board, but other than that, um, I always sat him. And it was interesting to watch my opponents. Sometimes they would sit them and sometimes they wouldn't. But anyway, so yeah, so I mean, it's short but good, right? It's it's a, it's a really strong army minus 130 points. There's not much, to, I mean, there's really not more to say than that. And yeah, it's an interesting conceptual approach to building an army to be like, to force someone to maybe make a mistake in the game before you even start playing the game. And I feel like that's what that hot and like decision does. Just gives your opponent like, an even earlier opportunity to make a mistake in reverse of the whip, which is like everything you want. Um, oh, so yeah. I, it's a, it's a win before arc. you begin, baby. Win before you begin. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, exactly. and that's, that, that is one of my strategies that I'll talk about later. But, um, but yeah, so, I mean, so that was the whole point of it. It was kind of a meme for Chandler and then it ended up working out better than I thought it would. I thought it was going to be too strong to be honest. Um, but like, I think if I recall that, that, uh, I feel like I got the move glyph a lot that year. And so I had like eight move dwarves and people were like, holy crap, they're fast. And uh, guess what? They were. So. Yeah, I think um, just this archetype is pretty unexplored. I know Matthew did a one year where he's 50 points short, which funny enough, he didn't read his miss count. And we realized later that he was actually just 50 points short, but it worked out. He made a part <laughs> in that event. He got, I don't he know. Won he won the event. That's what he won? That was the year he won. That was the year he won in 2016. Oh, he should be on here then. Put his name on there. What was? Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. But he didn't realize he was 50 points short. That was the 600 point year. It was a lot to count oh, to. Oh yeah, it was. It was. But I think this is a really appealing archetype if you just kind of want to. You have what you like playing and you enjoy, and then instead of, you can just maybe just play. Uh, unless you're playing something really elite, if you're like you know you're pretty solid like B plus A minus, like play a squad short. Or instead of playing, like, your strongest bonding option, don't play a Sir Gilbert. Play, like, Finn. Or don't play Grimnack. Play, like, Tornak or something. You can kind of play your archetype and what you like. Just tweak it a little, make it a little weaker, a little less points. And don't, I think people kind of get intimidated. Like, oh, I'm playing, if I'm, I have 400 points, I'm playing a 500-point army. And it, I mean, Heroescape is, there's such a spectrum of units of how powerful they are that points don't really matter. It's just, is your army on the level? 
Yeah, and that kind of bring, ties us in directly to the next archetype because really the the lines start to blur if you're playing like a weaker version of the same army into like you could potentially even classify something like, you know, maybe instead of Blades with Grimnak, you switch to, let's say, Blades with Tornak or Ornak. You're looking more at this next category, which is a mediocre but whole, right? And so that's something to note before we get it, you know, go further is that these archetypes are First of all, you know, we're definitely not going to talk about every army ever in any of these categories, not even close. So you can check old threads and, and you can check especially Veggie's thread. He's got some examples here. So we're just going to kind of use one or two in each category to kind of show what we're talking about. Um, but anyways, mediocre but whole is pretty much what it sounds like. It's it's a solid, decent army. It's not great. So you don't have to you know necessarily sit points and uh, try to water it down. It's just it's just a solid army you know that's that's the best way to put it so you know if you're playing let's say um let's say you're playing dwarves with uh well dwarves aren't a good example because all their heroes are good i again (laughs) blades or heavies are a better example because their heroes actually taper off um or maybe you're playing romans with parmenio right like just not very good but look romans are still good enough where that might work you know i haven't i haven't played romans with parmenio i don't know or Sacred Brand with Parmenio, but then you lose in the finals to Vipers? Yeah, <laughs> you definitely don't know anything about that. Um, so some, you know, a couple of examples. So like Raichin, again, um, mentioned this earlier, but Raichin uh, won, won, I think 2014 was when he won with four hounds in Arkmer. Um, you know, Doc, I put two Blasts, one Glads, uh, Raylan's Horn of the Morrow, Kumiko, and Onanashi. I mean, you could, again, argue that this is maybe more of a short but good army than a mediocre but whole. I know Veggie has a whole separate Glad Blast archetype, which, um, you know, I, I didn't separate that out here because I think you can do that for a lot of armies that have been played more than once. Um, and, and it fits, you can fit it pretty easily into one of these other categories. So, uh, again, I mean, mediocre but whole, it's a really... I think it's a really good choice. I know Cody's played like McDurks. I think in 2016 he made semifinals with like McDurks um, with Raylan, uh, Alistair, and maybe Thorgrim was the last piece. Um, so I, I I really think this is a pretty good choice for a lot of people. Um, if if you have an army in that power range, that's correct, and and you know what you're doing with it. And we're gonna get into like how you select an army and how you select an archetype. But you know this this is a this is a solid one. So. Um, Any thoughts, or we'll just move on? Yeah. Um, yeah, just real quick, with I think with, and with all these, these are not, you know, hard and fast terminal, like, rules. So, like, you know, I kind of alluded to, like, you know, you can play kind of a little mediocre, like a little, but, and then a little point to kind of mix that, and all of these, and even just what we're talking about next, I'm, like, paying, like, all of these kind of, like, blur, and you can kind of sometimes make, like, an army that likes you and be like, okay, it could be in, um, a couple different categories potentially, but they're just really good to just take a step back and um, look like, you know, give you a place to starting point and jumping off point. Yeah, archetypes are start jumping off points, not not boxes. You don't figure out the archetype and build an army into it. It's the opposite. Um, that's all I'll add in right now. Yeah, ab- absolutely right. Um, so ping, um, I mean, it's basically in the name. You hang back and you ping. So um, you ideally have something that you can smack. The, Sorry. You, you ideally have something you can smack the opponents with uh, once they reach you. Um, 
There are a couple of different approaches to this. Aerogruts are a good example. Blastatrons without Gladiatrons are a good example of this as well. I know several people have done that. Um, I know Dysol has done that with like Raylan. I know um, uh, Bormir did it. Yeah, Bormir did it with Taylord. So those are just very, you know, range-focused armies. I know, so Nathan, I have your army here. I'm not sure if you'd classify this as ping. I threw it in here. Um, it's kind of... Um, I would... I When I think of ping, I think a certain amount of mobility. And while Aerogrud's, you know, I mean, 6-6 six, six, disengage, but they don't hit that hard, um, you can play it kind of pingy. You have Raylan... Um, I like it more of just a kind of a more traditional pod more. That's how I kind of view it. But yeah, I mean, it can also be played different ways. And, and your build, just for uh, just for reference, this, this was your 2022 build of three arrows, three swags, Raylan, and Ice Troll, right? <laughs> yeah. And I literally just, I mean, I made that army, I mean, like in the hotel room right before I went to bed. But I just basically did it because it's a... Uh, it was a shout out to Spider Poison, who had the exact same army except use Krug instead of Ice Troll to win the 2016 main event. So it was kind of a little homage. See how it does. 2006, like, right? Like, Probably 2006, 2006, not 16. So a little like 17 years later, see how it holds up in a whole different landscape. Nah, yeah. he, he came up with that after the fact. He just procrastinated and threw something together. Nah, yeah, I'm joking. <laughs> oh, no, no, I did. That's not. <laughs> I was in bed like two in the morning like i need to find something i know this is going to be solid yeah and, and before we go on you know if people think that we spend all this time like a lot of times we're i know for me and i know for you too as well we're spending we're, we're building a lot of these like pretty last minute or making like pretty radical changes like night before day of like yeah. and some years are much different than other years there are some years where i know months out what i'm doing or I kind of have a pretty a pretty solidly you know i i'm pretty sure i'm gonna do what i what i think we're gonna do um but then there are other years like nathan was describing whereas we are like laying in that hotel room late at night being like uh that's tomorrow right this is gonna i'm guessing you're gonna have to play something <laughs> like and then you figure it out yeah i i have all my armies i think about i just like ah no no or it's all my crazy ideas i think about but like i don't test or i don't test like once and i'm like no i'm just gonna go like oh and five this is a terrible idea and then you just kind of Go to the wind and see what happens. I don't even think that's a term, but whatever. Yeah, and so once again, going back to the point, like you could reclassify this arrow, swag, rail, and ice troll, right, as like mediocre but whole, right? Like, you know, you're playing ice troll instead of like a krug. So again, all these are very fast and loose definitions. Um, fundamentally, though, and so let's cover real quick fast and fragile as well. So like Ken ran five spiders, two wyvern, Odonashi in 2019 to top four. Uh, Weasel won one year with um, three, I think three Venox, Elite Onyx, uh, Mittens, and Cayman, I, I think was also yeah, in there. Yeah. And that was the year that I had to, I, I think I had to play those guys. That was the year that uh, he played my army. Right. For the championship. And then uh, once again, just so people understand, like, this was my third Spider Army. My I had one in what, 2013, 2012, 20, 2013. You destroyed me. That lost to the championship. That was crazy. And then, uh, yeah, Estevara, man. And once again, I was playing the other army. And then I had one, like, years before that that went, like, two and three. And, like, I was bringing spiders when people were still bringing Nelfheim and Greenscales. Um, and that didn't work out very well. So, like, so I guess what I'm saying was with, with both mine, try, try again, man. 
like if it was a good idea and it just didn't quite work out the way it should have, the, like the one year, you know, it's okay to try to get a different year. Yeah. And something- don't say that. No, you're going to tempt me to go 0 and 3 in this next Escape Con or main event like I did last one. Like you said that I got chills and I was like, oh no, I can't, I can't play what I played last year. Okay. And so one of the unifying, again, I put all four of these broadly in the same bucket. All four of these feel fairly traditional in terms of order marker management, in terms of consistency, let's say, you know, most of these you're going to have three to four squads of a common squad. You're going to have some sort of support hero. You know, you're going it, to, it's fairly standard hero scape. You know, Ken's five spiders, two wyvern is something you could have seen in three headed Hydra B plus and under the last two years, you know, and you did see it. Some, um, I played Arrowgrut Swag and ice troll in three headed Hydra last year. Obviously I didn't get Raylan because she was a plus, but I got Krug instead. Right. So it was just a very linear swap. Um, not, not linear. That's, that's the wrong word, but it's just a swap. Um, you know, again, all these feel fairly traditional, again, maybe weaker versions of stuff. But um, I put the next army uh, by itself. I think it's in an intermediate land in between. It feels sort of traditional and there have been very, I would say, like almost close to top tier armies that fit in this type of category. Um, and this is bread and butter. And, you know, to be clear, not bread and butter, the term given to like the, the army card you dump all your order markers on, but bread and butter, as in two components that are complementary. And you used to see that back in the day with Romans, Marcus, and 10th, or you would see it with Knights, 4th, Gilbert, right? Like these were armies that were never quite as good as going full 4th mass or full Knights, um, but you would see them and you'd still, you'll still see them now in um, maybe a General Wars format, right? Or different formats that force you to mix up a number of common squads and these ones force you to push or mix order markers kind of throughout the game usually between two different places uh and, and two different components veggie classified as a melee and a range and that's traditionally how it's done i think you can build it in different ways uh so i wouldn't limit it to just that but that's again traditionally that's that's how you'll see it both again in that like knights plus fourth context um and in some of these examples as well. Uh, and again, the way I would classify it is you're, you're having to mix order markers. Like even like an Omnicron army really is a bread and butter army. You have to mix order markers between the repulsors and between the snipers. You know, if you, if, if you play those, if you play that army, it's not something where you passively get to move the repulsors like you do something like a rat screen, right? So you have to be mixing those order markers. It feels a lot more like this. Um, I mean, there's there's many notable examples. Um, I threw down both finalists from last year, I think, fit into this category. I mean, you can uh, Matthews is more of like, a, I think, a screen with like, a, I don't know, you guys can probably talk more about that. But like Evans, I would put Evans in this category of two blasts, Laglore, two sacred band and Parmenio. Um, he's got three order marker spots. Uh, but and again, you're going to mix these together. Uh, you've got Doc's from 2017 i believe right is the year he won with two romans me burks uh three red three red wormling three black wormling one white wormling raylan odanashi right so really yeah you've got raylan you've got a positioner correctly you might have to reposition her once but really you've got two order market placements you got the romans me burks the package you got the wormlings package and uh, again you have to be a little careful maybe of which wormling specifically you put the order markers on but that's you know i'll, I'll let you guys jump in here um as to these types of armies so yeah i feel like um you know matthew's army is also 
uh, one of those where you have two alternating points for a um, um, or markers, and he played three cutters, Karak, four water elementals, and one air elemental. Um, which is, you know, you're either putting order markers on the cutters or on Karak. Um, but I feel like when I think about these armies, I feel like Doc's the the flag bearer for these type of armies. Most of his armies, I feel like, fall into these um, or this category of bread and butter, having two order marker locations, and no doubt his best friend Raylan, um, or likely his best friend Raylan, um, which you could blame him. Um, but also, uh, I feel like uh, the word is crutch. Oh, is crutch. Okay, Raylan. I just wanted to make sure you're still on the call. I was just making sure. Um, nah. Um, <laughs> I think, um, and then Dysel also of late. She's been, I feel like, doing more bread and butter, butter armies. Um, I mean, I feel, I think last year she played um, Harkabis and uh, Quasatch Hunters, and then Raylan, which is just, you know, you have two spots for order markers, and, one, and that is the range um you know range melee army alternating um uh spot for your order markers so um yeah that's what I, um nathan can anything to add on um good old bread and butter armies um so this is i should never heard this term before using this context we're kind of so the way i think of it um it's not quite bread and butter, but it's, I like the, like, it's almost rock, paper, scissors, and it's a simplified, it's kind of what I, like, a simplified splash and toolbox, which we'll get to, but it's usually what I think of with uh, three, when you have three units, and I know Johnny Frisbee, 2019, I'm pretty sure it was him at a really great army, but I don't think he made it two, so it didn't, I can't, don't remember, but basically it's like, it's this concept, but usually have, like, three separate units that, like, one, maybe, like, okay, I have my, couple common squads maybe like a little bit of range or like a range hero then i have like a heavy hitter and you just have like kind of three very distinct functions that all kind of can lose hard to something but then they win really hard to something and your job is to as a player is to make sure that the if you have like a unit that heavy hitters you don't get them let them get bogged down by the squads he actually they all function to do their jobs and that's i think kind of bread, what bread and butter is trying to do it's um it's just a little more it's just with two instead of one, and usually with when you have two, they're a little more well-rounded than if you have kind of like a rock, paper, scissors where you expand to three. And then once we get into splash stuff, you can expand out even from there. Well, it did, and did, in 2018, didn't Evan have Roman's uh, 10th and Q10? So, I mean... Yes, that's a good example. Yeah. yeah I think this is kind of uh, Evan's MO2 as well, besides, I guess, I guess Doc... Because you got grubs and crab, right? Or grubs and whatever that crap that fourth mass guy's name is um, that he uses. So yeah, so yeah. But but when I think of this, I think of Evan. He likes to have a kind of like a little melee core and a little range core, and then he you know manages those order markers. But Doc probably was doing that before he was. Yeah, and I I think somebody mentioned Dice Hole. Like that's I think most of her armies as well. You know. Um, fall into this category and, and like look if you look at the top 16 of scapecon 2022 scapecon 2 I, I would put about half of those armies into this bucket right so it's really gained a lot of popularity i think when i think sometimes people look at these armies and think that's splash because again you look at doc's army and he's got one two three four five six seven different army cards but really there's you got onashi who's crap you got 
Romans, me Burks uh, as one order marker spot. You got Raylan as one that you don't have to invest in a lot if you know what you're doing. And then same with Wormlings, right? That's another order marker spot. So, you know, if, if you think about cards in that context and you think more about order marker spots and grouping them, um, if you look at this past year's results again, I would put both of the final table armies in that bucket and um, another five or six of the top 16 in, into this bucket as well. And I think it's a, I don't think there's anything wrong with going the previous category, right, of the more traditional style of armies. I don't think there's anything wrong going this style as well. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong when we move on to the last uh, category. Um, these are all just preferences on what you want to play. And that's, I think, why, you know, we'll get to preparation later, but, you know, in a little bit. But um, that's, I think, fundamentally why so many of us enjoy Reverse the Whip is because it lets you do you know, different things, you know, I've been on in different ones of these camps throughout the years. Uh, I know you guys have as well. So that's what makes it fun. So the final, I would say, overarching category we've moved past. Um, and I don't know whether the first one belongs here, more closer towards the uh, intermediate level, like middling level. But basically, I call these order marker intensive. These have you know, significant order marker decisions across multiple units consistently throughout the game, right? You're looking at three to four, at generally at least three to four spots um, where you've got a pretty, if you want to maximize value, you've got to, you know, consistently invest in those units um, and and consider how you want to approach and, and how you want to play the game. Um, the first, the, and, and, the three categories here are uniques, and that was really one person. Uh, and then we've got Splash and Toolbox. And Veggie kind of grouped the two together um, initially, but then in one of his later posts, he basically uh, separates them out into into Splash and Toolbox. Um, uniques was primarily Raichian. Raichian did this a lot. Um, you'll see a lot of years where he played. I, I grabbed one year. I don't remember what year this was. I think it's 2016 based on the uh, high point total, it looks like. He played Cayman, Sondland, Krav, Mara Warrior, Tarn, right? Five different unique components. All five have their place. Um, Krav are really good. Mara Warriors are really good, obviously. You got Tarn, which can screen. They can just clean up as well if you want. Sondland can can uh, clean up. He can also, his auto uh, swoop is pretty powerful in the right matchup. He can also heal Cayman, which isn't bad. Cayman gives you a, a great special attacker, obviously. Um, great anti-melee. So, you know, you can just run out Crab, I guess, and try to kill as much as you want, and then run out uh, Mara Warriors and try to kill as much as you want. And then, you know, you can just do all of one unit at a time, but um, I, I don't know how he played it. I'm presuming he didn't usually play it like that. Um, but I think you can get more value out of the units if you play them more cohesively, right? Uh, and you have Tarn that can screen for the Krav, which is really great. And he came in and actually can function himself as a mini screen for Krav as well into, against Melee, Um you put him in the right spot. So um, I, I even did this in two, 2013. Um, I, you know, 2012, I played green scales, 2014, I played blades. And then this weird year, 2013, I just decided to go off the wall and I played Krav, Nikita, Skahen, Raylan, and Onashi. It's like a Vida range pod, no lag lore. You got a lot of cool plays though. Like Nikita have to screen there. You got Skahen who can drag people around with cover fire and, and re-screen and re-protect. I love that army. I went three and two. Um, my losses were to Braxis and Torkolna, um, which were just weren't great matchups because the auto kills were really rough for uh, the low figure count. So um, Torkolna was on 
Quasash playground. And once he got the center height, it was just shooting up at him. It was just Ooh. no, no fun. So, um, mm-hmm. and that, that kind of, we'll get to my 2015 army after and, and kind of where, you know, splash and, and toolbox, but, this army is kind of the one that pushed me in that direction of what I ended up playing in 2015 because that 2013 matchup, I, I knew I had a couple just atrocious matchups. I knew Braxis, I knew Black Wormlings, I knew Torcolna were just not good for me with the auto kills, right? And so that's something um, I knew Hounds, if they had shown up, if I had played, if I had, had to have played against Hounds and they're hitting their moves in plagues, I'm just toast. Um, so. It, you know, my army, I won't say was the best constructed. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, but it, these are really kind of the precursor armies that that uh, like were the I would say the first like I, and again, I'm not calling my own army the first like Raichin, especially he's the one that deserves like most of the credit here for these uniques only or uniques mostly, I think is what Veggie called them. Um, and the other it, person I'll shout out there, I think, is Scaper Dude. Like, I, I don't actually have any exact memories, in my, or, like, I can't recall any exact armies, but I know in, like, the latest main event Scaper Dude played, he played a uniques-only army. And I feel like I have memories of hearing about Scaper Dude playing armies kind of like this. And Scaper Dude was a fantastic player, obviously. Um, yeah. So, other player I want to shout out in that. Yeah? Jeter's kid? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, Jeter's his father. Um, right. No. Yeah. Okay, I okay, I I don't remember him doing that. Interesting. I remember I, I at least remember him doing that um in that last main event that he played at, and I want to okay. say it's sixteen or eighteen. Um, oh, okay. Probably eighteen, maybe sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. So I already alluded to this. Um. So myself, Nathan, and William kind of started going off in weird directions um, beyond just, let's say, bread and butter with bad units with Raylan or something. Uh, We started playing what are now classified, not that I don't think any of us were thinking of them at the time, um, splash or toolbox armies, right? And it started kind of, I think William gets uh, first credit for this by playing um, in 2014, he played one squad of Mezzos in his main event army. He played three dwarves, Derek, mm-hmm. Heirloom, and one Mezzos, which is cool army. And, you know, you've got three order marker choices in there, right? Yeah. And ready to shoot my own horn here. In my brain, Modern Verse the Whip started with that decision. And I have no, like, that's what I say to myself when I'm watching TV late at night, looking at my Heroescape collection. Um, but, um, yeah, I just remember everyone being so shocked by that. And I was, I was really amazed by how shocked people were by that decision. Um, and that was one of the things that stuck with me when I would like tell people my army, and I would say the one squad of Mezzos. I forget who it was, but I remember one person was like, did you just like, you like Mezzos, but you like don't have any other squads of them? Like I can loan you more squads. And I was like, no, this is like an entirely intentional thing here. Um, and I was, it just really stuck with me that people found, caught it found it that crazy and i feel like mezzos are a logical step for a first kind of splash type um they are can you guys hear me i think my head yeah because they did like you know they they naturally have lights basically they have exoskeletons which you know um gives them a lot more staying power and you have a lot more control over when they actually die um so i mean when i was building that army. I knew I wanted dwarves, knew I loved heirloom and was just kind of going through, wanted a little bit of range, not too much. Um, so yeah, they slotted in there quite nicely. And after that, um, what was that? 2014, 
um, main event, I was kind of sold on at least splashing mezzos, and I wasn't using the term splash there. I was just thinking about them as, you know, bringing one squad of them into an army. Um, but, um, and I feel like I also, I feel like dwarfs are also a nice, or a, like a logical first step to try to like have, because they, we haven't really introduced this term yet on this podcast, but I feel like it makes a lot of sense just to, or maybe not on this episode, is what I meant to say, is uh, matchup smoothing, just being able to, um, you know, not have bumpy matchups. Like Mike kind of described his Nikita Krav build, and I feel like that is like the opposite of, of making sure you have smooth matchups, because like he said, he encountered the Braxis and the Torcolna, not winning those games. Um so um, I feel like when you start to splash and you start to be able to sprinkle in a little bit of one type of unit into an army, it can really um, allow you to smooth out, you know, a main core's weakness. And that's kind of what all my, I feel like, first reverse whip or first splash armies did, quote unquote. Um, and it's really unfortunate. Raichan pivoted so nicely into, um, like, with people who played those uniques only armies. Um, I feel like naturally play these uh, splash builds um, easily because they're just, you know, we're, they're in kind of the same broader category of order marker intensive, which is very true. And, man, I drew Raichan back-to-back in top 16s uh, going into day two, and he just took my early splash builds and piloted them wonderfully. Um, so shout-outs to him uh, for that. But um, it's, it's cool to um, start th- talking about and uh, hearing everyone's thoughts on all these different splash builds and seeing, you know, we've mentioned it so many times now, but go visit Veggie's post if you, or Veggie's thread if you haven't been there already. Yeah. And before we break these down into the two subcategories, let's just talk, I would say like post 2017 is really where you can see, you can see the split earlier, earlier than that. But like, I would say like 2017, maybe like at Gen Con is where like the three of us really started discussing like, and my 2017 army was boring as crap because I'd, I'd taken a year off from Gen Con. Um, I just played Blades. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I don't um, yeah. yeah, go ahead, Nathan. Yeah, no, I was going to say, so I remember the, the 2017, so I'm not sure if we feel the same way because, I mean, I feel like we, me and William, so the nice part is if you don't know we're cousins, so a lot of well, our discussions let's, are. Let's, let's finish up pre-2017 first. Now, this is pre-2017. Okay. Go ahead. Oh, I was just say, since, um, you know, a lot of our discussions, they're not on, you know, Heroescapers. We were on Discord a lot. So it's when I visit him or he visits him, we're just, you know, shooting armies and they might never see tournament play or just discussing concepts. So a lot of, I think, what we were doing. So 2015, I was um, Knights of Weston, Alistair, Finn, Rat, Mar Warriors, Brunak. So just times one, lots of, you know, not a lot, ton of direct synergy and stuff like that. But, you know, I went three and two and then, like, didn't make the main event. Um, you know, I think William had a couple of those where we you know, lost round one or, like, went three and two. And then 2017 is when I think it finally kind of broke through. And when I got the second with uh, two Horn Skulls, Tarn, Mezzo, uh, Kazuki, Samurai, Raylan, losing to Doc in the finals on Zephyr. The, and I think post-2000, so I think, like, the 2014, 15, 16, as it was kind of forming and, you know, it hadn't been, like, coined the term yet. Um, I don't think really people were, many people were just playing it, playing stuff like that, or if they were, you know, maybe like a, um, you know, like a Sam or maybe like a Mark or something, kind of like one-offs or a little bit, or just kind of, kind of same style, but it hadn't 
really solidified into like a movement and like I mean well back then like I don't think we had a term for it I think I just like times one or times two like comments and stuff yeah that's yeah I kind of was like I like to think of back then I it's uh the old cookie cutter armies where there's one in the tier one it's called a plus junkie and I was basically I'll take this concept for worthless whip and basically do um like b or b minus junkie and then I kind of liked, um, like, I, I have, used to say, like, funky pods, because they, like, you know, it's not just a simple, you're standing behind the rats, because you don't want to play rats, so you have to kind of mix in defensive melee units. And then it's not as straightforward to play. And then, you know, 2017 happened, and I think post, and then you, you know, definitely had your um, really cool concan and everything, and then I think 2008 really branched off with like i think chris and like evan a lot of different takes on it and a lot of really really cool innovations and really cool armies yeah and so like these are things that we've been playing and some of the same groups of units like william i have your 2016 army written down as well which is you know three dwarves Derek, right one mezzos well we've seen that before and then we've got tandris and frost giant instead of heirloom right so it's like oftentimes we took the same thing we've done in a previous year we just swap out some pieces and and it's more than just like unintentional you know so like maybe do you want to talk real quick about like why you why tandris frost giant you know sure i mean i am the word i would just use is you know we don't swap or i refine the version of the army and you know one of the beautiful things about heroescape is just Every different year is a different point total. Okay, I have a new I'm, – I'm aiming at a little bit of a different goal here. Um, and also I have a whole new year of data that just happened. You know, I have uh, new armies to look at. I mean, Reverse Whip is such a living and breathing format that what people played in literally the last year does, you know, have matter a lot. Um, you know, that – uh, 2014 was what 425 points, 430 points. So then, you know, I just had the heirloom added into the Axe Rangers, Derek, Mezzo core. Um, really like that core still. So by so 2016 came and yep, still the three Axe Rangers, Derek, one Mezzo, and then just Frost Giant and Tandra. just a, you know, two more places to have order markers. It's hard to, I try to build these armies to try to make it a little bit hard to interpret what. How to try to optimally use each unit. Um, I feel like um, throwing in the Frost Giant and the Tandros, um, you know, it, they're hard to interpret how to bring them out, where to invest order markers. Also, man, Heirloom's just good. Stuff that's just like an auto shield. I, did, I think by that point I was even just realizing that I'm like, man, having to kill Heirloom four times in day two is going to be hard to win this thing um, and trying to move towards forcing people to actually roll dice instead of just getting auto shields. I don't know. Uh, also played into it, I guess, a little bit. Yeah, and so for me, um, like my 2015 army of two Wola, two Warriors of Astra, two Phantoms, um, Concan, and Eltahale is really was a direct reaction to my 2013 losses where I was like, okay, I'm going to take what was a cool concept and I'm just going to run like Wawa are just strictly amazing into melee. Phantoms are just strictly amazing into range and both lose to, I've got Concan to buff and help me as well um, into both matchups. Honestly, he helps with Phantoms because he can either be like a checkpoint or he can be 
like he helps into the melee matchup as well. Um, he can help hit big things. And then I've got El Tehale because Woa and Fandoms both don't want to see, you know, a Nilfheim. He's a, you know, yeah, you'd occasionally see a Nilfheim or I think I saw a Q9 and I won that game. Thanks largely to having El Tehale in my army. You know, if I don't have El Tehale in my army, I, there's no way I win. Like even with Concan, like odds I win with Concan, two squads of Phantoms, two Woa and something else, you know, just very, very slim. Um, so, and, and I played something similar in 2018 that I, I took the same concept, dropped Delta Hale, added in Jordan, uh, Arkmer, Contella, um, just like a weird elf wizard pod that could draw people in, wasn't too strong, only one activation a turn with that. Um, but Jordan was, I found very threatening. I wanted an heirloom type ability, um, but with kind of a gimmick, right? And that whole gimmick is if one elf dies, they're all kind of crappy at that point. So, um, yeah, so that's really um, kind of the evolution, I would say, of like Splash, like in that early stage. And again, like nobody else was really most very few other people were playing these armies, you know, even through 2019. I'd say like if you look through the results, like there's just not that many um, Splash armies total. Uh, it's mainly us. Um, and so a lot of just the, a lot of the day two armies, at least for 2019 are pretty standard stuff. Like Ken one or Ken with his five spiders, Wyvern, um, you know, you've got my dad playing a bread and butter army. You've got doc playing glad blast. Uh, you've got Daiso playing a bread and butter, largely a bread and butter. Um, you got caps playing, pretty much a bread and butter you've got johnny frisbee playing heavies uh but like more of a mediocre heavy so you know again you look through this and and there's just not a lot of splash and you see it really pick up in 2021 um by then i think you can really and i think as early as like two even before 2018 but you can really see like a shift not a shift but you can really start like categorizing these i think into two broad groups right and there's a spectrum of like this is a new spectrum this one is like pretty potty right like like they want to <laughs> potty potty p-o-d-d-y nathan um <laughs> these are armies that are generally have what's that good lip reading there <laughs> thank you um these armies generally have Raylan. you know that's such a easy way to say it but they generally have Rayland. they generally are more focused into one area of a map and they use range to threaten other areas as well whereas the toolbox army can get away without playing Rayland because the army the units are more i would say self-sufficient right they um you know something like a phantom knights they don't need Rayland or well uh, warriors of asher they don't need the Rayland because they they can survive by themselves you don't need to buff them because they don't have weak defense and they're not as fragile so in toolbox armies um i would say your focus is generally more on having um, these Raylan smooth help smooth out matchups as a whole. I, toolbox armies really want more, you know, uh, more ways to deal with different things. I think stuff like dwarves are great to like matchup smooth, which is something that William has done with these toolbox armies. Um, is just having a core that's always going to be solid. That's kind of what I've done with Concan Phantoms. I feel very strongly that two with two Phantoms Concan, I have a shot in every game. Um, I can handle. You know, before we get to anything else I've ever, you know, I throw in with that because I've done that core now. I did that in 2015, 2018, 2019, 2022, right? Um, I've done it. Um, 
I guess four times. And every time I always feel like I have a shot playing that. Um, and it's also something I feel like plays well, which we'll get to later as for considerations, but you know, you, you having that core, that's always going to work well, because that, that's what I found with the, the two squads of Wola in particular was just in 2018, they were absolute dog crap in like every game. Like either I had really strong range or like, like either my opponent had really strong range or I was handed really strong range. And like every matchup, they way underperformed. They just were not worth it. So that was my attempt to kind of like react to that in 2019 by dropping them was just like, okay, they're, they're dead weight. They've been dead weight somehow. They were only good in my top eight game, which I lost to doc um, with Torcolna. And so it's just, um, you know, again, you're just refining these and, and switching out stuff. So, the the overall formula I would say that kind of built out of Splash was um, Raylan, two to three squads of some bread and butter ish squad, right? Some some core squad, um, a screen, a range option, and a bruiser. Uh, so it, a screen would be something like one Rats or Tarn, for example. A range option might be one squad of Mezzos. It might be something else. Um, and a bruiser is something that can basically hit hard, like a Kozuke in Alistair. And I'm mentioning some of these because this is exactly, you know, you guys mentioned this at Gen Con 2017. You, both of your armies from 2017 perfectly fit this to a T. Yeah, yeah. The three drones, Raylan, one rat, Mezzo, Alistair. Like, you just name the units you just named, and that was the army I played. Um, it was great. Um yeah, like I've moved away from ever wanting to play drones. I don't want my opponent to get to roll that d20 that many t- that many times. Um, but um, Nathan, you can say what yeah, so you're gonna say. Oh. Uh, oh yeah, like yeah, and this yeah, your opponent's gonna get 20s every time. And get to activate nine drones every time. You're never going to get going to get to do that. Um, same thing with vipers. Just like I'm never bringing those to a reversal whip. Um, um, event. But uh, Nathan, what did you have that year? Because you had the I got second. I got Hornskull's Tar and Mezzo Kuske Raylan. We basically had the exact same. Um, yeah. I had 50 points. Uh, I used two Hornskulls. Uh, you had two drones, and then I there was Tarin versus Rat, and then we both won Mezzo, one Raylan, and then I had the Kosuke, and you had Alistair. Alistair. So it's, they're basically it's the army's wow, yeah. function, yeah. Yeah. So they function the exact same way. I think that's why people kind of picked up on that. And then I, of course, getting um, I got second that year. So I think there was more eyes on it than just like a cool thing that could have made it deep because instead just went like going three and two. And then I really like the Horn Skull, Raylan, Mezzo um, base. I got I did that in 2019 and 2017 and did pretty good both times. So I mean I think it's like you know having the Con Can PKs which are not easy to play because. Concan needs the it's an adjacency bonus, you know, the dwarves and like I like like the horn skull thing. So it's kind of finding things that are you're comfortable with, you enjoy that kind of can fit into a lot of places and smooth out some matchups, but other people may not be as familiar with them. Yeah, and and I think that pretty much so the year that you saw more of these, uh, and first of all, this again, it's a spectrum. You can, I, I would say 
Chris Perkins 2019 is the pottiest Splash Army I've ever seen, probably to, to date still. He had Raylan, one squad of Knights, Thorgrim, two squads of Mezzos, and Miberxa. The notable piece that's missing is a bruiser. He doesn't have a way to crack high defense with that army. Um, you know, most of the, like against heroes, he's only ever rolling three dice, you know, unless he's getting height. So unless you're giving him height, um, he can only ever roll three dice. He's got knights at seven defense. Um, he's got <laughs> between Thorgrim and Raylan, he's got the two squads of Mezzos. Uh, he Berks that can help ping a little. Um, but again, that's a very defensive army. And he ran a, a similar concept as well in 2018 um, to that. So you can, you can build these to be more defensive. Um, I would caution against not having something. And I think he switched to that and you'll see like in the last couple of years, he's had Kozuke, right. As, as some way to be able to threaten something bigger, because you never know, you might hit something that you need the bigger hitter to be able to kill, you know, um, there's, there's too many examples to go through them all. Um, I would, you know, you can go, I would say 2021 is where you'll see more people bringing these types of armies. Again, I would caution um, about classifying all of the 2021 armies in particular as these style of armies. Some of those are more like my army doesn't really fit in. Um, it's more the bread and butter because I played Ornak, Marku, two squads of arrows, two ice trolls, um, one blades Nirak. And basically the blades Nirak was a screen. You had the two squads of arrows bonding with the two ice trolls and you got Ornak to smack with two ice trolls or Marku on or Marku one, right? Like that was the whole concept of that army. And that's more bread and butter. Like you could theoretically try to force into a different category. There's a ton of army cards, but there's only three real order marker placements, right? So um, just, just try to think and, and look, if you haven't, you know, we'll, we'll get to preparation actually after, but um, before we move on any, anything else you guys want to say about these two, overarching categories of of uh splash and toolbox yeah i would say well so we are spending probably a disproportionate amount of time but i think this is also because this is you know just been the newer innovation compared to saying like something that's you know short but good where it's like okay play the armies that we know are good but a little less but i think just because and then we're using a lot of examples from our personal examples that's just because you know that's what we personally play whether you know splash toolbox you know the intermediate stuff um but just you know what we talked about earlier just to reiterate you know if you want to go a little bit more just more standards with like short but good mediocre but whole or just like a fast but flat fragile i mean ken's won the main event recently with spiders and stuff so you can so you know you have a lot all these options but i think it's also too important to kind of understand and where others the entire spectrum where other people are coming from on all these army buildings because that's only going to help you yeah and real quick i forgot this one point with regard to toolboxes you'll often see more narrow figures as well i found rather than in the splash armies you'll see you know some of these other what i consider other roles like anti-range or anti-melee you know maybe anti-common uh anti-special attack you know just you have you're you're very targeting and and this the toolbox armies because they are more they use more matchup dependent figures as a whole other than again if you have something that's more matchup smoothing um you're a little more reliant on threat sequencing as a concept and making sure and we've talked about this on the podcast before uh, making sure you're getting the right matchups that you want right so that like that that my 2014 army was or 2015 army whatever was that to a t with the woa with the phantoms and with uh l to hail was like 
if if you've got Crav and my Warriors of Astra end up fighting your Crav, I'm losing that game because I'm playing that wrong. I need my Phantoms to take out your Crav, not my Warriors of Astra, right? So like making sure you're getting the right matchups with the right units. Um, it's a it's it's a really interesting part of the game. Um, and I, again, I found these toolbox armies really kind of rely on that as as a whole. So. And I think, Mike, we may have mislabeled my, my short but good because, I mean, I splashed Hadamato Taro into my army. So I think, like, that actually is a splash army. So when you say that these are kind of one fluid yeah. thing where they kind of overlap, I think that'd be a good example. Yeah, yeah, you mixed a lot of uh, you mixed a lot of order markers in on Hadamato. Yeah. Matthias is a cool kid, too. Don't worry, everybody. <laughs> Exactly. Well, well, I'm just saying that, like, I was, I didn't even think about it, and I did it. So. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and and we did probably spend, um, but I think these are the armies that are harder to conceptualize and harder for people that maybe haven't, you know. And I'm trying to make them. Hopefully, this, it, hopefully the concept seems more approachable to you. And and what I want you to do when you sit down and play one of these armies is I want you to think about why was this unit chosen and if you can figure that out like why this unit um because the choices are intentional as william said refinement i love that word that's perfect because that's what we've done is over the years we've refined these you know similar concepts that we run from year to year and and uh the units are chosen for particular reasons it's not thrown together for for no good reason go ahead yeah and if i can have like because i think i approach all my reversal with armies kind of in the vein of either splash or toolbox no doubt um and you know when i was thinking about this podcast i kind of tried to write out i realized after i wrote out i was like this would be my thesis it's uh when building armies um i want to bring an army that's hard to interpret what role each unit should function in while simultaneously giving me enough umps to never get cheesed and then in parentheses never being d20 dependent and then um I would say that, you know, that's that's the mindset that I take when trying to or when constructing armies that typically end up being classified in the splash or toolbox realm. Yeah. And and I can't emphasize enough how helpful it'll be to even get a couple games in, you know, with with one of your friends playing a couple of these armies, you know, just like try to play. You know, if, if your first game ever with one of these types of armies is at ScapeCon, it might be a little intimidating. But if you play a couple games with your friends and try to figure out collectively, like, what was going on here? Why did this work? Um, I think you'll, I mean, if you can kind of, it, it's the skill transfers from one of these types of armies to another. Uh, you know, you've got to play it differently based on the matchup and the map and the glyphs. And and it, it, it is very context dependent, but you'll at least be in the right mindset and you'll give yourself a better shot. You know, if, if you have played some games with, you know, some of these, you know, you look at like what Johnny and, and Earl brought in um, 2019, very traditional armies. And you look at the huge shift in their armies where they both had like stereotypical toolbox, like they had like six or seven meaningful order marker placements, right. Each. And, um, Clearly, and that was in 2021. So it's like clearly they put in some work in between those time. And I'm not saying you you have to bring that yourself, but you you know it'll be helpful to you if you know and I'm, you, you've got a month and a half here before EscapeCon. It'll be helpful if you do take a little time and maybe play a couple games and figure out how these uh, you know 
generally have an idea and, and it, it'll help you when you have to sit down and play with. And also conversely, when you sit down and play against, you know, kind of maybe a little better what they're going to do to you um, and kind of how to target that, right? How to maybe limit uh, attacks and how to, you know, uh, target specific pieces that might weaken another piece that might. And, and a lot of these have hidden synergies too, things that the synergy is not written on the card. It doesn't say orc bonding. It doesn't say orc, you know, defensive aura, but instead it's like, Oh, well I've got, you know, um, Nathan, your 2021 army that I gave you had Thrakis with brave arrow and Thrakis with Derek as two different options where Thrakis could fly in and smack somebody with four dice being buffed or five dice being buffed by being next to brave arrow or you fly in and then Derek can sneak attack with six dice. Like just these little cool plays that might not be surface level obvious, but they're all baked into this concept, you know? Um, so that, any other thoughts? Uh, and again, we did probably spend a, maybe a little too much time on this. Not really though, because again, this is a harder concept than the others. And we, I think we all have some level of like, I did that, you know, like maybe we shouldn't, but we all, we all do because we all like, it, it was super cool being part of like that period of like development. You know, um, I definitely give you guys like more credit than I give myself because like the, our discussions during 2017 was pivotal for me to like, you know, return. I, I was basically every other year doing like boring, cool, boring, cool. So I was 2017 was my boring year. And then 2018, I was back to cool and I've been cool since. So, well, arguably cool since. Yeah, cool. We'll go with that. No. <laughs> no, for sure. Nathan. Yeah, what's the... the? Sorry, I thought you were pointing. Oh, no, I was. I probably was pointing. <laughs> that's that's based. <laughs> okay, so let's jump into, you know, we've covered the archetypes. Um, hopefully you have an idea of kind of, you know, the, the three overarching categories plus the subcategories you can really divide this stuff into. So, um, Ken, do you want to kick us off in the reverse whip preparation section? Yeah, I can do that. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the four of us uh, do this differently and what we do the same, because uh, three of us have all won a main event champion, so we're, we're obviously good players. Um, one of us still hasn't, but, I mean, you know, he's young, so who knows. But I think the, the first thing we got to do is you got to make a guess about what the meta is going to be. And a uh, guess is a strong word. So educated guess is by far a better way to clarify that because you can make an educated guess based off of what the power level has been for the past couple years in a similar format. And if there's any changes to the format, like for like this year, uh, the fellows mentioned earlier that we're going to do three uh, day one is five, five rounds three games with your army, two games against your army. So that, for the most part, leans towards maybe a little bit stronger than in years past. It's, it's kind of the, it's kind of the gist I'm getting. I, to, be, to be fair, the last time I played was 2019. So I haven't, uh, I'm sorry, last time I played Reverse the Whip, not, not the last time I played Heroes Gate, the last time I played Reverse the Whip was 2019. So I'm kind of coming in a little bit, undershooting uh i've been talking to mike a little bit i've been talking to evan a little bit and they're both they're both saying to overshoot a little bit is kind of what they're they're saying based off the meta so that's been interesting for me to try and uh thought process what that looks like where you want your power level of your army to be so like for instance um 
three squads of Roman archers, Dooned. Well, he's got a D20 power, so we won't, we'll just pretend he doesn't. Dooned and, like, Akalar, probably not, like, what you want to shoot for this year. Um, because the power level is probably going to be a little bit stronger than that. So, you know, so maybe it's like, okay, well, what, what unit am I, you know, what unit's a little bit better that I, I can do all these other things that we're going to follow up here with a little bit um more with so so that's that's kind of where i'm get i'm landing on it for this year i don't know where the 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 rest of you three are um i'm really taking that advice from evan and mike though mainly because i feel like my armies um you know i've thrown my armies a little bit in uh with evan and mike just uh discussing them a little bit and i think i'm undershooting it a little bit but i could but i don't know you guys you guys have been playing the last three years well i guess well nobody played 2020 but um so last two years so is that kind of where you guys are landing based off the just based off the one simple change of from the three with and two against versus the three and three so i'll clarify real quick like overshoot is a little bit of an overstatement like i i think i said more like air a little bit on the side of higher um because i think it is good to get that first round win if you can um but like, look, 2018, when I played two Phantoms, two Warriors of Asher, Concan, Jordan, Ark, Rikintella, that's not a great army. And that was a five rounds alternating where three rounds were with, two rounds were against. And I went four and one, right? I, I won two out of my three games with it and I beat it both times, you know, no surprise. Like, um, because I knew how to dismantle it. Most people didn't know how to play it. And, and again, though, I got two wins with my army. So even though I was on the weak end of that power scale, I still very comfortably got into that day too. And if it was, if it was the exact same army, the exact same matchups, exact same results, I would make it in this year too. So I, I don't think, you know, it, it all depends what you and we'll get to this point, what you want to play and what you're comfortable with, because you can definitely get wins with armies that other people can't um and you can make it in with something like again like that um phantoms warriors of astra with you know non-olganesh uh elf wizard so um i don't think you're limited to going a little too high i think you can be and and obviously like what the heck does too high even mean right like like it's all contextual and it's hard to say what's going to happen and this shift might take a year or two to settle even who knows you know we just we just don't know so uh but i'll kick it over to you guys i'm not gonna overshoot i'm 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 not planning on like i don't know honestly i'm glad we're talking about this now because i got nervous earlier in the podcast when you guys were referencing like oh yeah everyone's gonna go stronger everyone's gonna go stronger and i was like "Mm, maybe i should rethink some of my armies and i'm like nah, i think i'm good um but it is, it is interesting, and it, I mean, can't emphasize enough though that it's not, a, you know, you don't win or lose or not make it into day two based on if you overshoot or undershoot. It's based on how you play those five games, and the rain, the amount of decisions you get to make in the heroes game is absurd. And like, you know, you can bring in maybe an army that isn't exactly on point, but if you're playing it well and you know how to pilot this, you know, that type of army. You know, it doesn't necessarily matter if you're a little bit off meta. Um, now, definitely important to go into it with, um, you know, proper army, properly calibrated army, um, but more important to go into it understanding, you know, what you need the parts of your army to do and how to, you know, be able to think through the types of armies that get handed to you. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, I think, you know, you're not trying to go like I'm trying to get like on meta as in meta is like a point. You know, there's it's a wide range. And like, I mean, last year I got fourth and like I thought my army was like probably on the strong ground. And I actually played four squads of Aerograts when I settled on three the night before and just grabbed four squads when I was grabbing my army out. So like. But and I've had other years where like it's, sometimes people are like weaker. So I mean, if you look at just day two, like there's going to be somebody who is, you know, in the top four strongest army who makes day two, and they're going to lose first round. They're going to play. They're going to play somebody with a weaker army, and they're just going to lose because the weaker army, you know, they just luck or the map or just the person played well against them and stuff. So I'm I'm going in. I mean, I like to one. I just like playing with different concepts, and I think that this power level decision space it allows a perfect example is Raichan doing the uniques only the reason he wasn't doing like the typical splash stuff is because unique uniques are stronger he's not going to bring in a microcorp instead of a krav and he's not going to bring in you know what have you a warriors of Asher instead of tarin because the meta was too strong now but the meta has gotten a little weaker and it just allows for different combos it's i mean mike brought jordan Wars of Astra, and we never really had seen that because there's no really tournaments that you're that that's ever going to be really be viable. So you can kind of look at if you have a favorite army, if you have a favorite army card, you know we haven't talked to being. I mean, I want to make Mika Connor work, and I want to make Siege and stuff. And like, there's things like okay, yeah, I like this figure. Let's build an army that's around it on thing, on um kind of level. But if you're like I really like Romans, then yeah, don't play five Romans. Maybe play like three or something. But so. I mean, for me, I have some specific gameplay concepts that, you know, I don't really think are pretty underexplored. And I'm going to look at that and maybe I, I need to start playing some games. And if they're going to work out, great, I'll play them. If not, I'll probably just mix up stuff that I'm kind of familiar with, but add some new wrinkles with it for the power level. But, you know, it's um, I truly think almost every I mean. I'm like I'm in Q9, and we've kind of disparaged these luck dependents, but people have broad luck, and if you if you want to bring that dunned and roll with it, I think that's or like a Runa, whatever. I think that's totally totally fair, and you know on meta, and I mean I can can do it. So you know I'm I'm looking at underutilized units with different synergies that people might, and maybe not undirect synergies that or indirect synergies that can maybe surprise people that you know that really nobody's, you know, I'm trying to play stuff that I haven't seen because I think it's fun to explore new decision spaces. Will it work? Maybe. Will I abandon them the night before for something more comforting? We'll see. But there's just a lot of options, and that's that's what I like about Reverse the Whip. I want to make one clarifying statement real quick. Um, when I said there was only three champions, one of the champions actually won when there was no Ken or Doc at a tournament. So I'm not really That's sure that true. that counts. That's true. So I'm not really sure that that counts. So it's like two and a half. Uh, but anyway, so. Um, but no, I, I think all, all very solid points, gentlemen. Um, reverse the whip is is a, to the ever-moving target. And I think the target's very wide um, is the way to think about it. So, um but uh, I guess moving on, the next thing I think when you're doing reverse the whip is you want to avoid the D20 or high variance figures. And I think uh, William's already said that. I think everybody's already said that once. But like, uh, you know, like Airborne, Cyprin, uh, really like uh, Nigaxa, 
would suck to lose on a, when he mind shackles you on, in a reverse the whip round, right? Like any of those D20 powers, like I lost, I, I lost uh, the main event because uh, what's her bucket rolled a cloud. So Estevara rolled a cloud when I could have shot her with 10th regiment and won the game. She had like one health left or, or two health. Like she was almost dead. Was that? Orange mailman. Yeah, orange mailman. Yeah. So like, yeah. So the D20, the D20 will living and dying by the D20 is no fun when you're in the, when you're on the other side of that. Um, so remember, you have to beat your army twice on day one and then twice on day two um, to win the ch- and the, the championship is against your army. So you don't want to bring, uh, you know, lose lose to a chemo she as she mind shackles, um, whatever. Um, so I, I thought about Kimoshi before. I've thought about Grok Riders and Egak Saw before. I've thought about it a lot. And and the only reason I don't do it, because you guys all know I love melee bonding, the only reason I don't do it is I don't want to lose to a D20 in the reverse rounds. Um, so so those are the things you really want to avoid. Uh, Mara Warriors, Q9s, uh, guys that can just win the games by themselves, you don't want to have to play against those. I think it'd be interesting if you actually just ran Q9 and that was it. You ran 180 points up to up against what is it this year? 460, 480. Um, I don't I don't think you would win, but I'd probably he try it. Out. Yeah. What's that? Some some he's so dumb. Some like some games he literally like I had a game recently where like a, with a good army and I treated like one squad of my many squads of this thing for like his entire rest of his army and i was in great shape i was in great position and i just couldn't kill him i did zero wounds it's just like he literally tanked my entire freaking army it's just like that's what q9 does like seven defense is just dumb he shouldn't have seven defense it's interesting (laughs) like a q9 raylan is uh versus and that's it that's only two figures in your army that'd be that'd be actually be interesting um but anyway i mean there there are units that can do i mean i playing in a chicago tournament was a good player and krav just soloed his army I didn't right. play like good. I mean, I didn't play bad, but I just kind of like just kept shooting them. Like, well, and then they just couldn't reach me. So I I just watched William's game, the General Wars game that uh, uh your buddy Mike had uh your buddy Mike Mike had had on his channel. And Micah? No, no, no. Mike's hey. buddy Mike. Oh, how Okay. And on his channel, where the crab agents, I don't think I think they rolled three out of three skulls oh. or four out of four yeah. skulls. Like every time they attacked. William minus I think one time one time they did it I was I wanted to go back and watch that but you guys played way too slow for me to ever want to watch that again but um oh are you talking about the championship of VC uh no it was uh what was it it was uh general wars I can't I don't remember the guy you were playing against I didn't recognize him oh I don't know uh but anyway like he he literally were like three three skulls four skulls three skulls four skulls and you had like Raylan back stingers and you were just pulling them off the board because it didn't matter but sometimes that just happens like um yeah it wasn't a re- wasn't a reverse the whip game but what i'm saying is when you play really good units like that you got to remember you got to beat them in the reverse rounds so that's something to think about and you don't want to lose the d20 in the reverse rounds yeah I think also just personally, you know, you talked about not wanting to play around like Nigax's mind check. A lot of just what, what you're comfortable playing against. And that's going to just be personal things. There's stuff, you know, I've talked with a lot with William about reverse whip stuff. And there's stuff that, you know, he's like, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to play against that, but he's comfortable bringing it. And there's stuff that I, you know, I'm comfortable playing with it. And there's specific things and you can kind of go that like. I'm, I've been tempted to go Nigaxa for a while when you said that, Ken, because like, it's like, okay. 
because sometimes it's like, can I play this better than my opponent on average? And that's if you think you can, but then there's certain units like I don't think I can play this better unit better on average, but like do I will I get some mind shackles and get to their heroes? And if I'm playing against an army, like can I protect that and stop that from happening? So you can kind of you can kind of walk that edge sometimes with some of these units. Like um I think the great example that are pretty popular with Splash, Splash is Kosuke. They're eight threat range, five attack. So if you're playing them and they get five attack and then like you win initiative and all of a sudden you've decimated their army or you're playing against them and all of a sudden you just ping, ping, ping with their three defense and they're dead. And, you know, it could win you a game and then your opponent can play and it could lose you. They could just do nothing or, you know, vice versa. Some games, if you don't play them right, they do nothing for you and your opponent can just decimate you with it. So, so much of it, it's how it goes on to, I mean, army building is such a big deal, but at the end of the day, it's right. It's it's over the board. Yeah, because like this year, I think you could do two Grok Riders, one Romans, one Mibrixan, one Nigaxan, and that's so tempting. That is yes. But, come. but like, but the, but it's that D twenty man, that that uh, that D twenty that just talks me out of it. I would love to see you play that, Cam. That'd be so interesting to see you play that. That'd be two two Groks, Mibrixan, Nigaxan, one Roman. Do it. No, I've already I've already got mine narrowed down to two armies. But anyway, um. But yeah, so I, I, and William, I know you were very anti D twenty before. Um, do you do you are you pretty anti D twenty though, Nathan? Or is it just more like specific figures? Um, like I have a blacklist of units. Well, not like I haven't written it, but um, I am anti, not as anti D twenty. Um, I think you can sneak sometime, but I looking back like. Yeah, I'm anti-D20, because I was looking at my armies I really liked, and it was like Mind Flayer back in the day, but I'm like, I wouldn't take Mind Flayer nowadays. I, I got paired up against Raijan that second time in day two when he gave me Hounds, and I just started the the game with back-to-back, like, you know, only plus one move for Hounds, and I, I was just in a hole that whole game just because of the D20 roll right off the bat, and I just remember sitting there, my units being killed by Mark, being like... I'm probably I'm never gonna like play an army that's D20 dependent. This is so dumb. It was so sad. Um, <laughs> when you've been playing a long time, you just have enough time to like just get burned by some units that just like lose you. And you don't remember the games that you won. No, nah, dude. But, like you don't want to get you don't want to just get you don't want to just lose after playing. Because if you're far, if you're like in the finals, if you're top four, you've beaten some great players. You're playing phenomenally. And then you're just like, okay, D20, I'm moving <laughs> one space and you're shooting down on me. Okay, D20, it's still not happening. So I think that that goes a long way with it too. Yeah, a lot of it is player preference. Like uh, my buddy Hounds Roll has been playing one squad Hounds, you know, in his army and, and for the last couple of years. And he recognizes that, you know, Look, they might crap out for him in one game, right, where he just misses, you know, he puts that one word marker, splashes it on, and they just don't move, you know, or they move and then you get no plagues and you whiff the attacks and it was just a wasted order marker. So. And, I, and I'm honestly more down with the idea of one hound than right. a core of hounds where yeah. I'm forced to open with hounds. And I'm like, well, board control is important. Hope I don't roll a D20 bad. Yeah. Oh, roll the D20 bad twice and then right. it's not good from there. 
I think Airborne are really the like classic yeah. example. There's just like Airborne, like if they drop first round, like Doc just played an online event. He went two and two and his Airborne dropped first round twice. Right. Like so like I bet you can't guess which two games he won and which two games he lost. And that was with the rest of his army being really good, not a reverse to whip army. So it's just like they're just such a classic example of this where, you know, and look, it's players specific like Sawyer keeps doing well with Nagaxa and Romans like you can absolutely play these d20 things i know aj um sir dendrick made top four 2019 with vnox you know like you can it's all up to player preference on a lot of these things i would caution against just the most extreme examples especially you know for me that's q9 crop maybe not crop especially q9 morrow warriors airborne those three to me are like the trinity of just like they can take over a game and it's just good luck you know um i've even toyed with delfheim like i i and I'm not sure if he's too good or not. Um, like a couple of years ago, I played Nilfheim like in a test game, just like Nilfheim won green scales and like Hadamato and Akalar. And I still won handily against like a very competent reverse whip army played by my dad. And it was just like, oh, like if Nilfheim has played well, even just Nilf one green scales is really good. So like maybe don't bring one green scales, right? Like maybe that's the answer is I have to like tone it down even more. Um, so there's just, I mean, that's, that's the beauty of this, right? There's so many ways to approach it. So many different things. The power level is a spectrum. And I know most, a lot of people that I hand that army to, I would win like automatically. They would give me nil time and I'd auto win. Right. But it's just like, if it's the hands of somebody really good, like, yeah, nil is still really strong. So just, it's all up to you as to what you are willing to have, you know, in your army for me, like at Laga is a no go, you know, because if I'm handed a key hero, like a molten claw or a Nilfheim or whatever, like, and they bolt me, I just lose. And you really can't like bolt is one of the hardest things to play around because he flies and it's range and he can target something he's not adjacent to, um, even if he's engaged. So it's just like, that's one of those, that's one of the hardest ones to play around where you just like, can't like it, they're going to get to roll the bolt on the on the figure they choose right like it's just very tough to stop that so um yeah yeah and the law that lag if you bring him you will never get the bolt but if you play against him he will just bolt you at the most inopportune times stupid elder brothers that bolted my like That's what I was still fine when team tournament you guys suck you guys i hope you guys hear this guys yeah, i hope you're hearing this you, yeah you guys Someone send it to them. They suck. That Boulder Witherwood was awesome. Or, it, was, it, was, it was miserable. Yeah, that was... Oh. Yeah. And, it goes, there still. <laughs> and it goes back to Nathan's point about counter, uh, counterplay, right? Like, Nagaxa has some counterplay. You know, you can potentially stop him from getting to stuff. You can position accordingly. But just, like, Atlag is one of those figures where it just really doesn't exist. Airborne, when they drop first round, the counterplay doesn't really exist. If they get that first round initiative, you're screwed, right? Like especially for a lot of these armies so um yeah so the next point is to play something you're comfortable with and, and we've talked about this already throughout but basically you you want to be comfortable you're gonna have to win games with your own army you know as much as reverse whip is about handing your opponent something that they might not be comfortable with and you haven't figured out something on the fly like look if you're gonna ha already have to be thinking hard in those games with while playing somebody else's army, you want to make sure you're comfortable with what you're playing, you know? Um, yeah. Thoughts on that? I mean, it goes back, it goes back to the old adage, adage of play what you know, know what you play. Um, you know, something you were super familiar with, something that you know that you can beat, something that you know that's weaknesses. Yeah. Something you can exploit. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's kind of self-explanatory. 
Um, the next one is, uh, so finesse armies are, are always a solid choice if you understand the nuances. And I guess what I say by finesse, finesse army is, is that it takes a little bit of shenanigans. And I think the or order marker management, I think the first one that Mike mentioned was like repulsors and snipers. Uh, to me, that's kind of a finesse army of when to activate the repulsors and when to activate the snipers. Uh, brutes cutters comes to mind. Um, when to, when to move up the cutters adjacent to the brutes. Um, I'm trying to think. I think, um, it, and, and it kind of depends, like, how deep you want to go. Like, do you want to go, like, Death Knights, Costa Meta Nubians, and get some relentless bonus action? So, um, but, like, th there's some finesse, there's some finesse things there, and, and, and it's really about, like, you understand these mechanics, and maybe somebody else doesn't quite understand how to, how to navigate this army as well as you do. And I feel like you guys kind of, um... I, th I feel like that's the whole point of your toolbox or your splash or what, whatever you guys call those. I think I've heard both and I heard you guys call them both, but I've, some people differentiate them, but, but it's kind of like, you know, and, and I wait, like, I think when Nathan beat me in 2019 and I was, he handed me his, uh, his, his splash army. Like, I, I think I just left the brutes in the start zone and, yeah. and you just, and you just kind of picked them off. And then, then afterwards I was like, Oh, Okay, so because um, because I had never really I don't want to say I've never because I played against William and Michael before with two but like I ne I didn't really like I didn't figure out the brutes until it was too late. So by that by the time I figured it out, I was down seventy five points. So um, so so th those kind of things I think are really important, and, and that's a perfect example of okay when he handed me the army. I just let the brutes grow, go. Now, granted, I'm not sure against the spiders it was a great time to activate them, but that's a whole other, it's a whole other podcast. But, um, but anyway, I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's something with finesse and just a lot of it. I think is timing. It's things that these you, the, what you have to set up might take. It's not just one order marker. It might take multiple order markers. And it's like, and then. It's also not what unit. If you're doing like a horn skull thing, I'm going to send my units up there, and then I know that I have my horn skull brutes coming, and I'm ready for like contingencies, or you know the Kosamat, you know like Anubian stuff. You have to set. Or um, I think Mike, you have a great example with the Concan PKs. Um, Concan, you're not going to want to put a lot of order markers on him, so it's a pretty committal decision where you put him, and then you have to know when to follow up with PKs. So, you know, you're making these long-term strategic decisions on where you're placing concan, and, and then you're also making the, short, like, round-to-round tactical decisions, and you're factoring in, you know, can you dictate the battlefield, and, like, where you want, like, lifts and stuff. So you have to have a lot of these calculations, and they're overarching, not just a single turn where it's maybe, you know, you just have just fourth mass or something, and you're just like, okay, I'm just going to run up and shoot. And there's not really... Um, round to round or turn to turn decisions. Yeah. I think, go go ahead. Ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say Tandros is another great example, I think, of a finesse. Yes, he's got synergy with every single character, but he's got no direct synergies. Yeah. Same thing with challenge. Way. Being able to switch with like any engaged small or medium, uh, um, you know, squad figure. Um, one of the early armies that I ever played, which really, like, emphasized, like, the non-direct synergies in my brain was a pairing of dwarfs and black wormlings. You know, the dwarfs doing well against large and huge figures, and the 
black rumblings, you know, being able to poison acid breath, the small and medium figures. Um, and then there being, you know, and then, you know, that wasn't a reversal of the whip um, tournament when I first played that pa- pairing, but I've kind of taken that idea, I feel like, into the reversal whip armies uh, that I've built. I'm trying to think through, you know, what I sit down and look at the armies that, or the units that I have and the units that they have and what matchups do I need to make sure, you know, happen over the course of this game in order to help my whole army, not just like what's my best unit versus their worst unit, you know, what what's going to be the smoothest across the board and then finding in like that's when I feel like you can kind of unearth some of the hidden synergies um, that some of these intentional, you know, reverse whip armies, uh, you know, have hidden within them. Yeah, and and um, jumping off that and jumping off Nathan's point, like, you know, something like Nathan's 2021 army, and so I, I, I mean, I, I built the army. Um, it's it's your army. I played it, but yeah. <laughs> Nathan, Nathan piloted it to a uh, top eight finish, which was um, three spiders, wyvern, two Mohicans, brave arrow, Thrakus, Derek. Right, so a lot of cool little synergies in there, and. You know, that for me was on the borderline of like how much and it did require finesse. And it's like, but sometimes you see these armies and 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 I'll build them and I'll play them. And it's like and that one's not a good example of this, but you can you can find some of these armies that look like they're going to be a finesse army. And then it turns out that the correct decision is to just go all in on one thing at a time. And so that's one of the like that 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 was for me was the big turning point in like my Splash Army career. I would say it was like 2020, the the off year, really 2019 post Gen Con. Um, I, I was actually you know prepping for Gen Con 2020, um, and I that's when it really clicked for me, and I really started getting more consistent with my build as, as to them not being. But my I look back at like my early Splash builds, a lot of them, not not the ones I played, but a lot of times like the ones I, I was play testing and the ones that didn't work were the ones where it just ended up being too good to do one thing at a time and do that fully. In which case you take like all, unless your goal there is to trick the people that think it's like, unless you're trying to do like a second level, like, like mind game on like top players where you're like, you're going to think this has to be played together, but in reality it doesn't. Um, you probably want to try to stay away from that and probably do want to, if, if you're going for the multi-card route, you probably don't want to do just like rush in this one thing and then rush in this other thing when that dies, you know, which is very typical. And that's like traditionally like I, I no other way to say it. That's traditionally low level play. Right. Which you'll see that, especially with bonding stuff. Like if you have like heavies, Grimnak, Tornak, like they'll rush in one squad of heavies with Grimnak. You know, we, we've made fun of this on the podcast before and, and you know, basically said don't do this. So um, just just a small point here. But. But I think the nature of when there's lots of different threats, each army has a different threat, it allows for those mind games. You know, if you're playing, you know, you can have these fantastic games where it's, you know, stingers versus heavies or something, and they're fantastic tact like um tactile, but like you know they're going heavies, you're going knights, and you know, there's there could be, you know, you have Krav, you have Keyman, and there is those mix ups. But when you just have three or four or five, you know, however many order markers that are viable order marker options for not just like strictly support like Raylan options. It allows for those kind of mind games where if you do something people don't expect where they look up and there's three order markers on this unit, and you're like, oh, I did not expect them to maybe not have one or maybe zero. 
you know you can get some wins that where you might not should should and i think that's where um these type of armies can allow you to get some wins versus potentially significantly stronger armies just because you played well and you made some reads and you took some chances Uh, so the next one is, uh, what type of archetype do you want to play? So this goes back to, for the 84th time, about Veggie's archetypes that we uh, had mentioned before, that once again is on uh, heroescapers.com, that Mike will link. But um, which one are you interested in? And, and as said before by everybody, is not everything fits into just one archetype. There's spillover between the archetypes. But like... Um, you want you you would you prefer a standard army? These these are easy to be consistent with. Um, so that would be more like you know the four the four dwarves Derek Hadamato like or even like the the bread and butter we talked about earlier like with um, Evans and um, uh, Nate or not Nathan Matthews um, armies from last year. Those are those are a little bit more standard, a little bit more consistent. Or do you want the order marker intensive? Do you want the Perkin pod? The Perkins pod? Um, Chris Perkins was, get, hands you 17 cards, and he says, good luck. And he obviously has Raylan because he doesn't know how to play without her. Um, but so, you know, so what kind of army are you, or what kind of, yeah, army are you interested in building and interested in playing? Because remember also, like, this has to, you know, this was uh, something that the rat players would say, like, oh, man, rats are so hard to play for five rounds and then five rounds and then, yeah, whatever, man. Um, but but like this is some this is a so if you want to win the tournament like you're gonna to have to do this for what nine rounds so um you know how I'm finicky's not the right word but how how I guess how intensive do you want to get with your order marker placement and management and I'll let you guys this is more you guys I'm more like hey here's my dwarves and here's Hanamatu I know where to put my order markers so that's more my style you guys are more like I'll take these 27 cards and I'll figure out what I need to do here. So that's more. So I'll let you guys jump in here because that, that is definitely not my style. I love when my opponent just communicates a ton of information to me at the beginning of the round by just, you know, not fully thought through order mark replacements or not a fully thought through X. And then you can just like with splash armies or with, you know, armies that are full of a whole bunch of, you know, small um groups of either like you know times two squads or heroes or um some common heroes or whatever um you can just like decide to be like okay i'm gonna focus this round on destroying a single aspect of their army because they've communicated to me with their order marker placement um that either that part of their army is not going to be being used this round and therefore i can just run to that side of the map and kill it um or just a variety of situations um i just i don't know i think pretty early on i always took a liking to the order marker aspect of HeroScape, and i've said it for a long time the order markers are my favorite part of HeroScape. um and uh i love giving my opponent the ability to accidentally communicate a ton of information to me based on where they put the order markers yeah and i'll just note that this year it's nine rounds all in one day if you want to win. So um, might be a little bit more mental fatigue by round uh, eight when you have to win with your own army to make it into finals. Um, 
But again, you make it to finals and your opponent's on round nine and they got to play your army for the first time, presumably, and and you hand them something crazy, you know, good luck to them and just hope that they hand you something a little easier. Uh, you know, that could be a route, but it doesn't have to be. Again, none of this are uh, things. When I said easier to be consistent with standard armies, it's just you're giving yourself like if I'm playing like five spiders to wyvern, like I'm giving myself very few places to make mistakes because I'm very comfortable with that army. Like I'm going to play it well pretty much every time. Whereas like one of my splash armies, like, you know, I'm going to play it well, but there's a, there's a chance, you know, like my top eight in doc in 2018, like I made in mid game, I made one really crucial order marker misplay. And then in the end game, I made a tactical placement misplay. And it's like, that was an army that completely invited that, right? That was my choice to bring that army that had those opportunities to make that order that order marker mistake. One order marker that was on Concan that shouldn't have been on him. Um, and at the end, one tactical misplay with Arkmer. It's like, if I don't make those two, maybe I could pull out that game um, because it was, you know, I, it was a close loss. So, um, yeah, again, just that goes back to being comfortable with what you're playing and i i was comfortable with that army and i just um you know when when push came to shove and that doc played his army well of course he was playing torcolma raylan and grubs like talk about prime example of playing what you know so um again just something to think about is is in that high pressure environment do you want to be um do you want to give yourself more or fewer opportunities to make mistakes when playing your own army? And of course the converse is just then what happens when you hand it to your opponent. Right. So, um, I guess the follow-up is play something you're comfortable beating. Right. I mean, we've touched on this already with like the blacklisted units. Um, so, uh, and I'll just mention real quick as well, actually, before we move on with the order marker intensive, I also said that these often have um, smoother matchups. I found because like when I'm putting in different pieces that intentionally counter different things, I'm always going to have the right tool for the job. Ideally, I'm always going to be able to handle something. Whereas, you know, maybe something like, I mean, Spider Wyvern is pretty smooth overall, I would say, but like, um, I don't have a great example off the top of my head. Maybe dwarves, right? You just hit that person playing, like it's straight dwarves. Maybe you just hit that person playing Cayman and you just can't kill Cayman because that's how Cayman is. You know, um, I you know I lost a game to Matthew. Uh, one of my many losses to Matthew was a game where Ma where his Cayman just decided to solo Mogram and like nine dwarves in the end game, right? And it's just like, that's just Counter-Strike, you know? It just happens. And, uh, you know, ideally I can kill Cayman first with Concam. Um, it slash phantoms rolling four dice and and not get down to my three dice dwarves swinging up on Takala sunrise. So um, that yeah. So again, play something you're comfortable beating. Uh, how many can how much defense dice or defensive abilities you want to have to plow through? I mean, this is William's point with regards to heirloom earlier, right? Uh, which definitely like I found in up in last year when prepping, like we were testing some Warforged armies. It was just like, there are just some matchups where if I'm handed something like Gorillinators, like I'm just not killing the Warforged. I just can't crack them, you know? Um, my 2019 army had this issue a little bit because every single figure in it had four defense or were the Mezzos, right? With the exoskeletons. And I like, I almost lost a game uh, that I never in a million years should have lost just because they just tanked hits. You know, it was just a little too tanky for my liking. Like I like toolbox and I like tanky, but every other year since, and, and the years prior to that, I always had something in there with three defense that I knew I could just auto kill. Right. Like the year before I had Kintella who I just 
look at and she dies, right? Whereas when when it's like one horn skull brute, Tarn, Concan, two Phantom, Mezzo, it's just like I mean I was throwing attacks and they just weren't connecting. So um that was kind of like a pivotal moment for me where it was just like yeah, same like I, I thought like even in my top sixteen loss to Doc, which again was like I lost like one Phantom or like one Tarn and one Horde Skull Brute left, like just one of each. It's like, man, if I just given him something with a little less defense, like I very easily could have pulled out that win. But it's just the four defense is just brutal. So, um, well, one of the, one of the armies I was testing for this year, um, sorry, but I don't care if everybody knows, but it was Death Knights with um, Dumatep, and um, they just trying to kill them on the reverse rounds with so much defense and and with uh, with the roadmaps with the Dumatep. So everything had five defense. Like it was just so was not good, man. It was not good. Like I, I was just like so that I I quickly eliminated that army because I was like, oh, this army is great. Oh, except when I have to play against it because the five defense dice was so brutal. Yeah. So that's um just basic. Those are just basic considerations maybe when you're playing against something. So I'll I'll throw it back over to Ken because he's got a laundry kind of a laundry list here but i think i mean i think we've talked about a lot of this throughout um but if if you want to discuss what you were thinking here no i i think you guys did and i think this kind of is a throwback to you guys splash slash toolboxes like what do you think your army needs like do you think you need a special attack because you're like um because there are there are units in the game that just suck in special attacks right like cutters cutters die from special attacks right and cutters are actually pretty decent figures especially in reverse the whip meta Right. Um, and you guys talked about this, but like uh, you guys, I think you guys called it a bruiser, but at least somebody with somebody with at least four base attack or above. Like, I think, William, you had like heirloom and uh, Kozuke and, and uh, at, at times you had brutes and Nathan had brutes and you had uh, you had what you Al- more like. I think Alistair is a great example of this. Oh, not, Alistair. Hit hard, you can, you know, overextend him, hit hard again. Right. Yeah. And then survivability, like. Are you going to bring, like, like Torkelna and Nagrub is super interesting because the, the survivability of Nagrub is so low, but the survivability of Torkelna is really high. And, and, and to find that balance about, um, you know, where you, where you, where you're most comfortable with when, when playing with and playing against that, right? And then, uh, and then we've talked about this, uh, I don't want to say ad nauseum, but quite a bit about the order marker management. Are you the are you the Perkins pod guy or are you the Ken guy where you just want one place to put your order markers? Um, I, I guess the Grotch Roman has two places to put their put their order markers. But um, and then and then like for me, um, I'm very much about and this kind of goes with the order marker management about like is there a certain number of common squads you want? Like do you want you know uh, like one of the one of the earlier armies that William was talking about was like there's three squads of drones. Or three squads of spiders. Or are you okay with just with just two phantom knights and two two uh, horn skull brutes and, and two warriors of Ashra? Like, um, are you are you are you, do you prefer in mass or do you prefer like having different places? And this kind of goes with the order marker management, to be honest. But like, but you could also do like, are you going like hero heavy or are you going squad heavy, right? So there's just lots of different things. And then we talked about the shenanigans and the finesse and, and the complication levels. I think we've kind of talked about that, like the, the hint synergies we talked about, the non-obvious synergies. I think um, William talked about that with um, the, 
the uh, the brutes. I mean, they 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 barge in with anybody, more or less. Um, you know, um, and these are these are all just various things. I think we've actually had, like Mike mentioned, we have talked about all these before. I'm not sure if any of you gentlemen want to expand on them a little bit more, or you feel like we've already talked to talked about them enough to this point. One of the newer things that I've thought about, I guess, is, I don't know, just, I don't know, I think I'm trending towards wanting things that have more attack than defense, just because I think I can choose what happens with the attack that I can throw around, more so than I can choose what happens with my own figure's defense. And I don't know, this seems like a theme that's kind of grouped together with what we've been talking about, and it is kind of something I've been thinking about, so maybe I'm just even trying to think through it as I speak through it. Um, But... Um, you know, if you have units that can hit hard, and I just think Kozuke are such a popular answer to a lot of these sort of army construction questions, um, at least you can decide what the exchange, like, what and where the exchange happens. Similarly to Phantom Knights in that regard, you can at least choose kind of the the trades that go on, because you do have self-flying and fly around, um, to wherever on the map, um, so, um, I don't know. Just there's, you know, always more to think about when it comes to reverse of the whip. I mean, we could do the same podcast in two, three years from now and be talking about just new things, just new things that we've kind of been thinking about on our own, just new things that have kind of developed in the meta where the actual power level of, you know, the reverse of the whip tournaments at SkateCon has actually gone. I mean, that's one of the beautiful things about this living, breathing format that is reverse of the whip. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so, like, personally, I'm starting to potentially move away from the two Phantoms con can. As much as I love it, I've lost twice in key rounds now, once in 2019 top 16 and once uh, this past year, my second round loss was uh, both times it's because I was handed glad blast with a bad special attack. And it was just like in both of those games, the two Phantoms was just with two Phantoms con can was just enough to take over the game. And really like glad blast just as, and i'm seeing people bring glad blast with without a good answer to you know without a good answer to phantoms it's just like if i'm like it just feels a little too lopsided for my taste so i'm not necessarily moving away from it but um even with my like again my 2019 build had too much survivability with my 2022 build with that with one squad dwarves Derek and Johnny I intentionally chose all those in part because they have very low survivability if you attack them you know Derek can hide a little bit you know with his so he's got a little bit of a shenanigan there but for the most part you can handle those figures pretty easily and you know but it was just I just couldn't kill I I finished the game and I just hadn't finished off the phantoms I just couldn't kill them you know um so it's just it's all it's all a it's all a process that takes place over time and uh, you just got to see what works. And um, I'm not necessarily fully moving away from that forever, but I, I, I might take a break this year from it and try something else um, as much as, even though it's like my favorite thing in the game, probably. So it just feels bad when the opponent, like it feels like the opponent made a little bit of an army construction mistake and I'm the one that gets punished. Like the 2019 game, I didn't play it as well as I could have. I could have used Kumiko a little better um, in that game as my special attacker. But the the the, the last one, I had Laglore, and it's just like my first roll was the three shield auto uh, auto load. It's just like there's just no feeling worse in the world than the three shield auto load. Um, 
when when you need him to clear phantom so um yeah it's brutal and like i mean you talk about playing that same kind of two pk for a long time i've been playing kind of the two or three dwarfs and Derek and other things for a long time i mean once you do kind of have your army in mind you got to play test it you got to play test it a lot you got to play it against different types of builds and sometimes i even want to i play test my reversal with armies against like what if some someone like entirely overshoots the meta and i'm going to lose this game but i want to try to push this army to its furthest you know how 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 good can it do against actually if someone brought four squads of fourth and other stupid things um but um i mean once you do have an army in mind you got to play test it and you got to prep for these type of events and you got to pl- prep playing with it and against it um because that that is what reverse whip is I mean, I, I'm going to go against, maybe that's just, I mean, this is kind of just me. I mean, I think it does help. And I think there are certain years where I've been like, oh, I should have gotten more like games within my army before the event and stuff. But I also think if you like have stuff that you've been playing for a little bit or sort of like familiar with like the different components and stuff, um, you can play like just a little bit and a lot of it's just not playing the game but just kind of just if you're like talk to your opponent or just kind of reflect on what went wrong what went right and making like little tweaks instead of maybe if you like if you kind of like this corner didn't work out you know you don't have to just like throw the baby out of the bathwater and you know this whole thing it's like okay let's try to do Johnny instead of heirloom and see how so I like that power level or play style and stuff and but I mean I, I guess this is my style but I, I a good amount of times I've made my um I feel like I'm looking back, like, th- like my, I think three of my favorite armies I just played for an event, like, beforehand, like, the night event, and I'm like, I'm going to throw this together, and I'm like, I really, really like this army, I'm going to play it, and, you know, I mean, I could have probably played a little better if I would spent some more times, like, I mean, I went three and two those years, so, you know, maybe if I put a little bit more time, you could, I would have done a little better, but, you know, I think, um, you don't like have to put like crazy amount of games to feel like comfortable like walking i don't think like you don't want that as normal like a lot of people going to scapecon like or anything like maybe they just play during tournaments or they just come during scapecon or play or they play like a couple games like during the year and then they play 20 games at scapecon so there is definitely again that whole range of people as well it all plays a different people's level of comfort i mean if if you haven't played in over the course of a whole year you know, maybe don't throw together 12 army cards to alternate order markers between. Or maybe you think you're a badass and you go for it, and that's awesome. Um, but, uh, you know, it's all it's all individualized. It's all for each person's own personal preference and what they're comfortable with, um, for sure. Yeah, and I know I'm going to be on fairly low reps leading up to it. You know, I'm not playing at all for the next month with bar prep. So it's like, for me, I'm going to be erring on the side of, comfort and simpler you know i'm gonna bring something that i feel like i can definitely get wins with uh, no no questions asked and i it's still gonna have enough opportunities for my opponent to make mistakes and it's still gonna be very beatable you know and that's kind of the perspective i'm coming at it from this year whereas most of the other years i've tried to have usually i would try to have about five to ten games that was usually my comfort range if i have five to ten games with this army or substantially the similar the same army you know maybe i'm still figuring out like this one piece might switch in and out um like my last year army that last um 200 of Derek 
one dwarves Johnny. I had a different 200 that I also actually Johnny was in both. So that last 130 just it was just one dwarves Derek or I, and I I had a different 130 point component that felt pretty similar. That other one though had four defense and I decided that that ended up being the the tipping point for me to go to the three defense uh, dwarves because I just like the fact that when my opponent makes a mistake with the three defense dwarf, usually I'll get the kill, you know, whereas with the four defense figure, I just don't feel that way. You know, they, they just live. Um, so I, I guess on prep, the big thing I do is I, well, at least in past years, what I do is I usually try to create 20 armies. Um, and then we of uh, various styles. Um, I don't usually build a lot of like the mediocre or like butthole or whatever armies, just whatever my dad builds. Um, and then we just roll D twenties and we just play, we just play games with a variety of armies, variety of styles, you know, differing power levels are not all exactly the same. And we just get games in that way. You know, that's like, that's how we just, you know, if, if you can just play these armies one off rolling a D 20, you're going to be in pretty good shape for the reverse round that's at, at escape con or gen con. Um, if you haven't played these types of armies before, you know, you, maybe you don't, maybe you don't know where to start as to like, how do I create 20 of these types of armies right now? And you definitely don't have to create 20. I think this year I only created 10 and none of them are probably going to be what I play. I have no idea what I'm going to play. Right. Um, but I just threw together 10 just based on previous ideas I've had. And, you know, if, if you haven't, if you don't know where to start again, look, I would say, especially the last two years and then Gen Con 2019, maybe Gen Con 2018 as well, and just go through and, and maybe you and your friend one day just like roll D20 for ScapeCon 2022 armies, right? Or ScapeCon 2021, you know, again, stick to the day two top 16 results usually um, and just get some games in that way. You'll learn a lot about the game. You'll learn a lot about these types of armies and, and, uh, just different and and again the top 16s have different types of armies they're not all splash i'm not telling you to put all your time into splash just these are all just things to think about and maybe then you'll have a better idea of what you want to do and and if you already know what you want to do that's great and you'll just need to figure out how best to implement it right maybe again you mentioned romans earlier so like maybe it's, it's a question of do you do the sawyer version of two squads of romans or are you going to do three squads maybe maybe you don't have marcus right so that they're really slow maybe you also stay away from me burksa then because he's really strong um so you have all different ways you can mix these things together and and come up with what you want to play and i think the big thing is what do you want your army to do you know how do you want it to function and and once you kind of answer that you'll be in good shape so yeah, and I just wanted to add, if you want to uh, look at just previous events, um, the previous Gen Con, what the events were, what the results were, it's an easy reference. Um, if you go on Heroescapers to say EscapeCon subform, I made the, um, the Gen Con and EscapeCon map pool history, and it's a Google Sheet, and on the other tab, it just has all the years, um, what the events were and then like the results and the map pool and stuff. It's kind of an ugly spreadsheet. I kind of just like kind of under construction. I kind of forgot about it, but it does have all the information there. People want an easy reference to see a full list of all the armies. Some years um, we kind of have a data loss. It's not as complete, but some years we have a really, really solid, especially recently at ScapeCon. I think we have every single event, um, all the armies. So it's a great place for inspiration not just for reverse the whip, but just, you know, all different types of formats. So one more question for you guys. Uh, well, Mike, I think, Mike, you said you have no idea what you're going to play. William, do you have an idea what you're going to play? 
Yeah. What about you, Nathan? I have a really cool concept that I've been, me and William kind of been tossing around for years and years, but we haven't gotten close to actually bringing it. And I kind of want to find something, but I have not, this is my year, I have not played at all really much this year, so I need to get some games in and figure stuff out. Okay. I just, you know, yeah, do you know what you're going to play? Yeah, one or two, right? I've got it down, well, it's uh, two Grox, Rom- no, um, I've got it narrowed down to two two cores um i'm not exactly sure with both cores one core, like one core i i kind of have good to go but i'm not quite sure to do with the last part of it because i i don't want to i don't want to overshoot so to speak and then so i've weakened it a little bit and maybe i've weakened it too much and then the other one i'm just kind of messing with numbers a little bit so um because because uh, the, the the last one that we didn't really talk about is, is uh, what we did talk about briefly is when before you begin and it's like and that is like if it's 18 figure limit and you bring 20 figures um, I'm forcing my opponent to maybe sit something they shouldn't sit like um, you know I I got Wookie one the Wookie one year to put an order marker on Hadamato so I felt like that was a that was a moral victory. Um, but but yeah so 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 one of my, one of my builds has something to do with that but um, I don't want to give away too much more than that but um, but it's been a lot of fun and and, and you know I I've tested it um, a little like uh, I tested it with Advantage a little bit I tested it with my son a little bit but like it's hard to test it because it's hard to know what to test against right so and I, I like I, I like William's idea of like well you know what I'm gonna see if this can be Q9 Rats and Raylan. It probably can't, but we'll see how close I can get. Because then, if you somebody shows up with that, you're like, oh, kind of. I kind of plan for the scenario, and I know what seven things need to happen in order for me to be successful. So I was just curious what you guys, where you guys are at uh, when it comes to that. But very cool. That ended up being a uh, fairly lengthy episode, but I think it's good. I mean, this is really, I guess we're just going to call this the comprehensive guide to reverse the whip because I think this is, this is pretty much should help you get from, you know, maybe not knowing much or maybe you do know a lot and this will hopefully help you, you know, when preparing and, and give you some ideas. I mean, it's hard to give really concrete advice. So maybe you're thinking, wow, I list, you know, it's the typical podcast thing of I listened and it felt meaningful while I was doing it. And then afterwards I've, um if so you should attend scapecon and come to our coaching session because who knows maybe you'll learn some tips there um i just realized it is during our classic like thursday night cram testing spot which is kind of a shame for reverse whip armies so we'll have to do like cram testing wednesday night or something for figuring out armies because i will for sure probably be doing some cram testing um on wednesday night i guess so um, are we cram test while we're coaching we show them what we're doing as we're coaching and then they all know how to beat our army the next day yeah that, that <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um geez yeah i mean that's a ton of information i get it and again just pick pick your route pick how complex or simple you want your army to be and and figure out how you want to build it to do what you do and then figure out what pieces make sense to make that work um that's the like the whole long story short so consider mashups consider your strength as a player maybe you're really good strategically but you're not so great tactically in which case maybe stay away from you know adjacency buffs and stuff like that that require you know different order markers and maybe focus more on just more places to put order markers because you know you're always going to play that pretty well you know or 
maybe you're the reverse and you're very tactical. Maybe don't go for the order marker stuff and spend, you know, instead play, you know, I, I'm by nature more of a tactical than a strategic player. Um, that's why I've always played heavies. And that's why order markers took me a while to like, because like I look back at like my 2015 build, if I'm being honest, like I really didn't play it that well back in 2015. Like I would have played it so much better. Like if I had my now level of experience, um, which I think is probably all of us, like we've all presumably, maybe not Ken, but I think the rest of us have all presumably improved since like the early years, right? Um, For sure. Sometimes it, sometimes it feels like the old way I played got better results, uh, but I think that's also like the rest of the community getting better. So uh, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, just consider what your strengths are and what you want to play and then do it. Um, that's all I got. Any Any closing thoughts? I don't got much. Heroescape makes you think with your brain. Yeah. So hopefully I'll see you at ScapeCon. It'll be a great time. It'll be a great weekend. And if you can't come, ScapeCon East, uh, the great state of New Jersey in November. So what what, what could be better? If you can't come, plan, already plan for next year. That's true. Yeah, plan for next year. That's, that's Reverse the Whip. That is the comprehensive guide to Reverse the Whip. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe. Happy scaping.